0: There's no way out I've got to show what I've become and There's no doubt Got my back to the wall And I'm still hanging on
1: There's no way out John, John, John. Troubles in my life have been all the same With a strain in my mind getting hurt again There's a pain in my heart but it's just a game Gotta get over it, won't go insane Won't achieve anything while I'm down Don't wanna give out my heavy-weighted frown I'm stopping this now, I'ma turn it around Heaven's on the ground, now I'm looking at the clouds Gonna make a change like a change, bigger getting changed Gonna stay the same with my mind, frame rearranged Gonna wash the blue out my mind, and my eyes Was I blind in my mind, cause that was old times Cause I'm starting fresh with a clear vision You can even spell my name in optimism Just track the M's, an I and a P And then what you're left with is me way out, I've
0: got to show what I've become.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to tonight's episode of the Zod Writer Show. You are listening to psn-radio.com, and I am, of course, Joseph Todd, a.k.a. Zod Writer. And with me on tonight's show, I have two of the most awesome YouTube people I could ever ask to have on the show. I mean, these guys, I've been a fan of these two gentlemen since... (laughs) since i you know I saw their very first YouTube video, ladies and gentlemen, I have with me comic movie marks on tonight 's episode, and I am so excited, oh my god guys i can 't believe you guys are here. Welcome to the Zod Rider show. How are you? Are you
2: marking out right now
1: <laughs> i i am i am I am a big fan i I have to tell you guys this before I, before you know we even get into anything i i had when I had uh Uh, Chris Wong on my show last year, I was geeking out so much. It was incredible. And like Chris was trying to calm me down, like the way, you know, the way he does. He's so full of optimism and stuff that when I was talking to him, it was just like, he, he was try, he was trying to dial play it like, he, you know, he was, you know, he was just a guy and he was so humbled and stuff. And I'm like, but you, you don't understand, man. I, I watch your videos like religiously every day. I'm like, this is, it's like, it's like being, it's like being in the room with a celebrity. And you guys are, and you know, I've had celebrities on my show. I've had writers, directors, actors, actresses, and you know, it's hard not to geek out when you have it people. And it's hard not to geek out when you have people like that on your show. And then, you know, there's you guys, and I absolutely love all your work, and I, I get so excited. You know, just thinking about, just thinking about this show was just hyping me up all day. It was getting me through my day really, really quick. I'm like, Oh my God, I can't wait to get home. I got to set everything up and get ready. I got comic movie marks this week. And I'm just, I mean, it's just been incredible, you know, prepping for, for this show and, and you guys. I mean my god the stuff hats off to you for the stuff you guys pull off every week. I I don't know how you do it all that all that video stuff. Like you and I were talking about off air, you know, I'm not really a big video guy, but I sure love what you guys do. And this is this is this is a dream come true for me. So again, welcome to being on my little my little radio show. This is awesome. Okay. Wow, what a what an introduction! <laughs> I, I, I don't these even. These
2: people are going to be so disappointed, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> the bar has been raised. Well, you know, you said you have writers, producers, actors, actresses, uh, then Chris Wong as well. well. We're a significant step below, but we try. So now you uh... got trailer trash. <laughs> yeah, but, you guys, the- but, but trash. you
1: guys have this. You guys do all these all these great videos that just make so much sense. I mean, this is kind of how I felt like when I had. When I had Film Gob, I I, I felt really, really intimidated too because I'm like, this is a guy who goes off. He does all these, he has all these great personalities and does all this wonderful stuff. You guys practically make, you know, documentaries. You know, your stuff is is fantastic, you know, and I specifically want to point point to the, you know, documentary uh, video you guys did about uh, the uh, Donner cut of Superman 2. I found that to be such a wonderful video because I was a big fan of of that whole thing back when that was going on. And when they finally released that movie in 2006, I felt like, my God, this is this is incredible. And your video just broke it down in such a way that anybody even curious about that topic and, you know, how it relates to anything, you know, like... In regards to all this Snyder Cut stuff we've been dealing with, I mean, it, you guys just broke it down so beautifully. It's like you could show it. I felt like that was a video, and I'm going to give you guys this, these props right now. I felt like this was a video I could show my mother when I was trying to explain to her what the Snyder Cut movement was. I was just like, I was just like, Yo, all you need to do is watch this video with these guys, because these guys are. These guys break it down so beautifully that it's, it's, I mean, <laughs> you can't, you can't go wrong. You watch this and you'll understand.
2: Man, the, apparently the power of editing, I guess. Uh, you know, it was actually kind of funny, a little side story on that. When Shane and I recorded it, we were kind of like, meh. We didn't feel like we gelled it together as well as we did previous stuff or even later on future stuff, so it was kind of a weird thing. Uh, so we were just like, ah, well. and then when you think about it, how that video came about was that's that's all free software. That's Movie Maker. That's uh, <laughs> that's just basic cell phone stuff. Uh, nothing special at all. Just putting together what we researched overall. And uh, Shane is the big Superman fan. He is, I mean, he had it on his car for God's sakes, a giant <laughs> sticker that was about five by five on the hood of his car. And, uh, so that Superman was more of his realm. And it was just kind of an idea that we had because I kept seeing all these comparisons to the Donner Cut. And I was like, you know, you know, we should really, uh, you know, check that, uh, out because you look at these interviews with Richard Donner and what he's saying now. And it just sounds, it just sounds exactly what we're dealing with right now. With yeah. History
0: repeating itself. Yeah. So- it was just crazy that I think that one we we did put a lot of work in terms of researching, yeah. um, watching the Donner, Donner Cut, pulling uh, audio clips out of it, things like that. And, and we have a wide variety of, of the type of videos we we try to deliver we have ones where I, we're just in a car you know right after a movie it's our non story oh, yeah, ones yeah
1: <laughs> i've seen a lot of your i've seen a lot of your um your videos where you come back from watching a movie and you know you're what you know you had one uh recently where you were uh driving home talking about about your differing opinions of bright burn <laughs> and yep. I, I thought that i thought that was a good one and i you know and and i love and i love you know the fact that you guys take that approach because I've seen that happening a lot lately and some people are successful with it where they come out of the theater and they give their first reactions and for some people it just doesn't work at all. So I, you know, so I mean I applaud you guys for, for, you know, going that route because there's nothing like your initial reaction to a movie and to be able to, and then to get that recorded and to get that up there immediately is a good thing because you never know What's going to change later on when you go back to actually analyze it more, or you do another video or a podcast, and you're gonna where you're gonna talk about it more in depth? And by then, you know things may have changed at least a little bit from your initial viewing, and it's just mm-hmm. nice to see. So it's nice to see those reactions right out of the gate. I, I, I definitely appreciate those.
2: It's what we normally did anyway on the way home just was spoilers right we, we that's what we did with the drive home we just talked <laughs> to each yeah. other and just figure out you know hash things out a little bit like this makes sense to you? this make sense to you? Oh, I like this part. That was badass. Oh, that was a piling. That was a pile of crap. So, it was just it was what we normally did anyway. So, now we just tried to do that same thing again but just try not to spoil anything. Yeah. Well, even before we had a show.
0: That was like it yeah. you know, so, Matt, so, Matt so Is that, now, a is, that
1: is that is dif- that Now is that difficult though? Like you're used to talking about it and having spoilers. I mean, you make a, so when you get on camera, now when you get your first reaction it's just kind of like you make a conscious effort not to give spoilers because I I've noticed I've noticed it seems like when you do that you guys almost have to stop yourself sometimes cuz you do want to say something but then you're yeah. like well no we better wait because it's just like I mean is that is it difficult or is it something that you guys are becoming more and more accustomed to now? more
2: and more accustomed to definitely in the beginning I think like the first one we ever did was really difficult because you just want to start talking about the movie. Oh, yeah, everything, yeah. (laughs) And you just want to start saying stuff. And then now it's become a little bit easier. You know, you just kind of, as you're leaving the theater, if you're literally walking out, then you take a piss. You're thinking about it. How am I going to structure this in my head without saying anything that's going to spoil the movie. The, you know, the usual likes or dislikes. Why do people even watch us? Like, do we care? Uh, what do we care about for the most part in a movie and stuff like that? Score, humor, uh, action, you know, uh, the look, the cinematography is kind of like one well, of the things that we focus on, maybe some script stuff as well. Uh, so that's the things we start thinking about overall is how did that feel? How did it uh, mesh? And then we could just kind of go from there. So we've gotten a little bit better as it, better at it as time has gone on.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and like I say, I think your, I think your videos are awesome. I, I get excited every time i watch it and you know what i'm one of those people i'd make it to the end of every single one of your videos <laughs> if Thank i if you. i start if i if i start watching it if i start watching it i know it's going to be good i know it's i know it's uh it's what it's it's something that i'm going to enjoy like there was one video and i can't remember what specifically what the name of it was but you guys were almost and i and i wanted to I wanted to go back in and re-find it and re-watch it again before I had you guys on the show, but I got really busy and I didn't really get a chance to go back and do it, but I'm going to try to bring it up now anyway. You guys were talking about, uh, music and society and current society being really dumb and dumbing down, like the dumbing down of society through music. Does that sound right? Um, yeah, there
2: was one we did where it was called mediocrity winning. Yes, and- yes. That's it. That's yeah. the video,
1: <laughs> and I and I was going along, and it was like almost every example you gave and everything you were saying. I was sitting there talking to the screen, like, "Yep, uh huh," <laughs> like I was just going along with it. I'm like, "Oh my god, these guys are on point!" And like normally, I, you know, I'm I'm watching, you know. For specific stuff, I want to hear what you guys have to say about, you know, the Snyder Cut stuff or a movie that just came out or this or that. But that particular video, you know, it hit me in a different way because I'm sitting here like, you know what, these guys are right 100% about this. And so, like, my I guess my question leading, you know, from that video about mediocrity is, do you guys get the general impression that as a society... I mean, just overall, when you look at films, when you look at music, when you look at TV, things in general that we are on like a, we're like on a downhill, you know, slide when it comes to mediocrity, because I honestly feel like in a lot of cases, that's where we're headed. Like mediocrity is, is like totally taking over and I'm, I'm getting the feeling like we're going to be, we're going to be in an idiocracy at some point in society. And I mean, this was a question I wanted to touch on with you guys, but I, you know, I didn't know exactly how I was going to word it. So I gave it a shot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, that was the main reason we wanted to, to make that video as that was Matt's idea. We did, you know, some research and a lot of this has just been things that we have been talking about for a while in terms of our frustration with any form of art, you know, whether it's music or movies or, or video games or whatever, where you Hell, start even wrestling, yeah, and and pro yes. wrestling, and and it, that's that's where you our frustration kind of came from. I, I do feel that, and Matt and I have talked about this in, in some of our episodes as well. That there might be a resurgence, you know, when it, it comes in terms of like Netflix, for example, um, Zack Snyder being on that, even AEW. If you're familiar with with uh, that wrestling promotion, there's there's little glimmers of hope where we we have we've started to see maybe the the groundswell of of more artistic uh, approaches when it comes to to these types of things because ultimately it's frustrating to see studios or or you know big record labels and things like that just try to find the formula that works that's the winning formula that will make them the most money and go with that and then it, everything starts to become very mundane it all starts to sound the same to look the same to feel the same and that's where we were incredibly frustrated and why we wanted to to make that video kind of displaying like, Hey, you know, people as a society, we should start looking at directors or or people who are making music or whoever. And if they're taking a risk, maybe taking a second glance at that risk and, and giving it a, a, you know, a shot to, Hey, you know, maybe this was, it was different from, from what we're, we're used to, but maybe it's not as bad as what, the general audience is saying. And that's where a lot of that came from. I just
2: haven't seen many like pioneers in any kind of industry lately. It feels like there's popular people for whatever reason that might be, but there's no pioneers. There's nobody changing the landscape of anything. And you have directors like Zack Snyder, like Quentin Tarantino that are kind of off the side. They do their own stuff, but even like Quentin Tarantino, he's that What is that once upon a time in Hollywood, Mm -hmm. he's asking people not to do uh, spoilers that saw it at the Cannes film festival. And like, there's people on Twitter mocking him, like, spoilers, like you think you're that big and stuff like that. And I'm like, dude, this dude made Pulp Fiction. Fuck off, <laughs> all right. Like, that is, it's just there's like a disrespect when it comes to filming, like, because they're saying, oh, you're not the MCU, and I enjoy Shane. I both for the most part enjoy some of the movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, mm-hmm. but there is a fundamental flaw with the formula that they have produced for the most part, and. Unfortunately, I feel like when it comes to casual audiences, that's what they've grown to, accustomed to, is that specific, that specific formula. And I think it's hurting other movies in similar somewhat genres. And that's why, like, that last Star Trek movie, Star Trek Beyond, I think it was. Oh,
1: my God, yes. Okay,
2: yeah. It was like a a shitty Guardians of the Galaxy kind of, like, thing for me. That's how I looked at it for the most part was it it was – I mean, yes, Star Trek movies had humor in them. But
1: but there was – so. but on that note, though, there was so much potential coming yep. out of Star Trek 09 to make a yep. to make a very very strong franchise. And then we get we get we got what we got with the next two movies. It, I mean, it's no surprise to me why uh, the Star Trek film franchise is on ice again. It, it I mean, it just it, I mean, when you look at where they had all this hype going into Star Trek 09 and it just feels like they just squandered it. So, yeah, I feel your pain there with Star Trek.
2: Yeah, it just seems to be an evolution. Like, they people are trying to make their movies like Disney movies or Marvel yes. movies for the most part. It's a
1: de-evolution of cinema. Right. right? It's not trying to
2: pioneer your way anything. It's just trying to copy and paste your way through it and all. And focus groups, you know, executives. And, I mean, we, we have a couple ideas for future videos here that are going to involve some things like that. But... It's it's kind of a I know focus groups have been around forever I I I believe even far back to the 70s 60s and focus groups have been around for a long time and that's nothing really new but this this desire to alter your film so much to like what a couple people are saying I mean just recently with the Dark Phoenix. I mean, if you re- if you read that article about that, there's focus groups didn't really like this longer, extended version of the movie. It gets cut down. There's other external factors as well. But it, again, a movie gets thrashed because of focus groups. And instead of just believing in your product, you hire these individuals, these writers, these directors, these producers. You hire them on, let them do their job. You know, of course, you're you're spending all the money. It's your if you're a studio, you're it's your money, but at the same time, you hired him for a reason. You know, keep an eye, but just don't let him, just don't micromanage every little aspect.
1: Yeah, I, I, I oh. completely agree. I, I you know, I, I'm sorry. I was waiting to see if you had something else you wanted to add to that. But yeah, I completely agree with where you're going. And just on a side note, you mentioned wrestling and creativity in wrestling. It was because of your podcast that you did with Lan- Lantern Two Eight One Four that I went back and watched, uh, and went back and found that uh, recent pay per view, that AEW pay per view mm-hmm. double, and and actually watched it. And I was <laughs> I was very very impressed, and I and I owe that to you guys because growing up I was a, a huge uh, wrestling fan, and I used to go to the uh, the the Monday Nitros. Back in Ooh. the you know in the heyday of all the you know when WCW was on top, yeah, that's uh, our language and, right and there. So <laughs> yeah. and so and so I I have to uh, you know I have to say you know in terms of creativity there is no creativity left whatsoever in the WWE. So going back and watching you know and seeing what happened with uh, you know TNA wrestling and all these other little re- wrestling franchises. I see a lot of potential with AEW, and I know that's kind, of, that's kind of off topic, but I wanted to mention it to you guys before I forgot.
2: <laughs> but it's the point. It, it's the point, yeah. though. It's just the, the feel of creativity, like even in video games, because even in that video you were talking about, Mediocre Winning, we talked a little bit about video games. Yes. And, and right now there seems to be pushback against the norm, you know, less microtransactions, less DLC, give us a working game on day one. I think a lot of people are striving for that. Give us a good single player. Give us a working game on day one. And it's it's becoming, those games anyway, are becoming more appreciated. And I kind of find it funny. I also feel like that's with comedy as well. Like Bill Burr, to me, is like one of the funniest guys right now. And really, in this landscape of comedy like 10 years ago, he was just like everybody else. But because of where the environment is now, with political correctness and everything, he stands out like a sore thumb. And he is like one of the best comics right now because he is still that guy from 10 years ago. And now it's just like, holy crap, what he just said. And it's, it's so refreshing. And so people immediately lunge towards those type of things. When you get a good game that has a great single player that doesn't try to uh, microtransaction you to death or update you every 10 minutes, you, you immediately cling to that game. Because you're like, oh, my God, this is a great game. Like I went back. I started playing an old game just recently that had a great single player, and I rebought re- it and everything. Bioshock, if anybody wants to know what it was, <laughs> and I love the message in that game. And it's well, just – you, you, you go back to those things, those moments, those games or movies that just have what you can feel anyway.
1: Exactly, exactly. And, you know, speaking of video games, I was so excited – when they, they did the, and they had an indiegogo campaign for a brand new Friday the 13th video game they were doing and this has been within the last couple of years there was this Friday the 13th game coming out they were it was supposed to be great you were going to be able to choose between whether or not you were the camp counselors or Jason Voorhees and it was going to be like a cat and <laughs> That's eyes, awesome. A can't cat and imagine game. Who? Now the only Friday the 13th game that I know of that I have reference of is the old uh, Nintendo uh Friday the 13th nice. game from the, from the 80s that I that I absolutely love. I love playing old retro video games. I love old Nintendo. I love all the Sega Genesis and uh, TurboGrafx-16 and all those old video game systems. I love them. Uh, but when I look at, like, you know, modern games, I'm, I'm with you. There's so much emphasis now on multiplayer and this and that yep. and downloadable content. Well, that was the problem with this Friday the 13th game. It comes out. And it's online only multiplayer at first. And then you, so you buy the game and it was, what it was supposed to be was the first few months was supposed to be this multiplayer thing and online only you buy it, whatever, or you get it. You can get a physical copy. Although I don't know what the point of a physical copy would have been because you, you know, it's multiplayer. It's not even, there's no single player mode. So they, they actually had said, Single player mode is coming. It's something that they're going to, you know, they're going to give you in the future and it's going to be DLC. And then, and then I guess because of whatever, because of budgetary reasons or whatever, they weren't. They promised it, but they weren't able to deliver, and it never got a single player mode. So that derailed the game altogether because there's no per point in even having it if you don't if you can't have a single player mode. And I mean, and the game looked gorgeous. It looked amazing. Uh, it even had like the return of like of uh, of uh, the actor that played uh, Tommy Jarvis. He was in there. He you know he actually had a role, his character. And I was just I was. I was so disappointed because I was waiting for that game. I was like, "God, this is going to be great, you know, and they and they, you know, screwed us on the single player. So I just I felt like, yeah, I felt robbed and I just was like, wow, no, thank you. I I can't stand multiplayer games and I can't stand games where you have to where you only buy a part of the game. You spend sixty dollars for a fraction of a game. And then in order to be able to actually complete the game, you have to spend more money on downloadable content that's a pet peeve of mine
2: yeah it's probably not where you thought this was going to go huh we're talking about wrestling and video games <laughs> <so. laughs> yeah. no
1: but you know what i you know what i i love this though and i i kind of anticipated that this was going to be kind of the kind of discussion that we would have because you guys are all encompassing you're not just you know one 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 particular topic all the time and that's it you know ob- obviously you know, in representation of the Snyder Cut movement and, uh, uh, release the Snyder Cut or, and hashtag release the Snyder Cut and whatever. I knew we were going to eventually get to all of that. And, and that's, and I'm, I'm glad that that's, that that's on the table too. But, you know, this, this is nice to discuss oh, these cool. other little things as well. And, you know, I, I hope you guys aren't upset that I haven't brought that up yet. Because no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> it,
0: that is almost, uh, refreshing, yeah. <laughs> a little bit because we try to be as all encompassing. If you if you go back, we had some stupid let's plays that we titled Mar- the Marks Play with Themselves" um, <laughs> back in the day. That didn't do very well. Uh, but we we try to be, oh. and a, a lot of it kind of goes hand in hand, you know. In, in terms of you know the lack of of artistic freedom and things like that, and video games, and that's where I think the Snyder Cut it just became where the boiling point of, of frustration of like, man, and, you know, on the, the video game tangent, it, it's another industry that's just trying to nickel and dime its consumer to get the most money out of it and not even really concerned with with the game itself or the gameplay. And there's some that do better uh, than others. My kids are, are completely obsessed with Fortnite, and they've bought an Xbox three times over by now with the amount of, of stuff that that they are purchasing just consistently, and and I try to tell them, you know, it's trying to to give them the opportunity to spend their money as as they will, and and but you're I just shake my head at like you realize how much crap that you have just dumped into this this same game. And what Fortnite does is they they do update it pretty pretty frequently, and and they give different types of um, themes and stuff like that. They had an Avengers theme that. That uh, intrigued me a little bit, and they'll have an Avengers game mode. But at the end of the day, it's just so that now they have different skins for you to buy, and different packs for you to buy, and things like that. And you know, it's and it's five dollar chunks, ten dollar chunks, fifteen dollar chunks here and there that just add up over the course of I think the game's been out two years now or something like that. And and it you know just is is mind boggling. And when people see that type of success, they want to emulate that that formula as opposed to, oh, maybe we should try to create our own thing. And, you know, every, now every gaming company is like, how do we, how do we do that? And that's what it sounds like exactly the same thing with Friday the 13th of, oh, let's do a multiplayer game instead of actually like focusing on a story and, and maybe selling enough copies to, you know, to make up for, for all the work that you put into the game. Now it's how can we make it as basic as possible and then have, yeah, have a bunch of. Yep. Make it as
2: cheap as possible, formulaic as possible, simplicity, and then keep people in enough to keep coming back over and over again. Retention, you know, yeah. customer retention.
1: Well, on that's, the game. That, that's why with me it's all about classic retro gaming. Yeah. Because you can, you can put in a game and you've got a solid game from the beginning to the end and you don't have to worry about downloading anything else, paying any more money. I, I swear to God, it's gotten to the point where you, you just, you, I get, you get nervous and because when you at release time for these new games you see all these different packages and stuff like spend a hundred dollars for the ultimate edition of the game and you get all these you get all this downloadable content or you can buy the standard edition for 60 dollars, or you can buy you could buy the uh They've even got another one that's like in the middle. That's like you know, there's like a there's like a fifty dollar one, then there's like a seventy dollar one, then there's like a hundred dollars, and and even it goes up and up and up, and you just get to the point where some of them even come with like toys or maps or yep, uh, you know, like a, like a robot or a helmet or something. I mean, yeah. it's it's crazy, and I, I've gotten to the point where it's like I just want to play a complete game. This right. is what frustrates me about video games. This is why it's hard for me to even get involved and play any video games. I mean, the last uh, actual modern video game that I purchased, for, and I've, I got a PlayStation 4 that's just sat here and collected dust for months and months. <laughs> because I, because I, I, the last game I purchased was a game called Fist of the North Star Lost Paradise, because I am a huge huge fist of the north star fan that's one of my all-time favorite franchises out of japan so when they released this game for playstation 4 i was super excited this was the game and you know thankfully you know there's not a lot of you know dlc and stuff involved with it it's as a nice single player mode and you just you know and you're just doing you know going through the going through the game uh, killing people and watching their heads explode. I mean, it's fantastic. There you go. <laughs> but um, but, I'm, but I, it's like a you know Mad Max type thing, and it's like mm. I so I you know and it's like a lot. But a lot of these other games, I'm like I was like a big uh, growing up. I was a big uh, Mortal Kombat fan. I oh, love yeah. the I love the original Mortal Kombat games. I mean, who doesn't? Right? Those original right. games. You know, Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat two, Mortal Kombat three. Right? Those first three games, and it's like. You look at like a lot of these modern Mortal Kombat games, and I went to take a look to see like the like the new one that just came out. I think it was Mortal Kombat 11, and Maybe I went it. and I looked and I saw you know, and I saw all these you know all these different packages. Buy this version and you get this. Buy this version and you get this. And I'm like, but I just want to play the game. I I don't want to buy this version and feel shortchanged because now I got to spend another X number of dollars to get you know this character or whatever i mean even yep. on injustice 2 i was a big fan of the yeah. injustice games but it cost me five dollars for dark side and i'm just like okay you know you, <laughs> you know i and i had bought and i actually had spent the money for the uh like the complete the edition where i would get all the characters i they you know what do they call it now they call it season pass that's yeah that's oh, another, yeah. That's, another pass. that's another <laughs> I <just> thing figured <laughs> out what that was <laughs> I mean that that to me is just like that to me is just like complete complete robbery. All you're doing is robbing and pissing off your customer base. But, but they're, they're obviously but they're,
2: making money though. They're making yeah, money though. The so there's there's yeah. for some reason there's this I don't want to say sheep, but like I'm trying to be polite about it, but there's just these people that have grown <laughs> up with this stuff or or this is what they have right. dealt Oh with. yeah,
1: this is the thing looking I mean cuz for example, another example would be not just the consoles but the mobile games, too. My God, right. every single one of these games, they look awesome. They're graphically awesome. You get it on your phone or your tablet. But it's like you're are going to be – they all say that they're free to play, but you're going to be pumping so much <laughs> money into it. And you're not – like you said, you're not like Fortnite. You're not even going to realize it. Before you know it, you've spent enough money to buy a brand new phone. And you're just like, what? Yeah, oh. <laughs> like, wow.
0: Right? Yeah, plus um, it, there are some – Some games – my wife is big into the Dragon Age uh, that I think started on PS3, and then they had some for PS4 as well. And she also played The Witcher, which I'm hoping with the Netflix series – you know how there's certain times where a movie or a TV show will then make the the book more popular? I'm I'm hoping it's kind of the same so when people will jump into that game and go, oh, wait, this is actually pretty cool, and maybe start – Pushing that way a little bit, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just it's a pipe dream, but there they are. There are basic games that are pretty solid. I, I don't play them myself, but I've watched her play play the storyline and and things like that, and they are pretty basic. So there, those games are out there. I just don't understand to to Matt's point, they're not the popular ones. They, yeah.
2: they Call of Duty, yep. FIFA, Madden. They just reoccurring games. Every I, I
1: just year. and that that to me and that oh. I I, when I think about Madden, it's like I learned early on what a scam Madden was, because you realize after you after you get a couple of those, I mean, they're fun to play or whatever. It's fun to play with a bunch of buddies. It's even fun to play online. But after a while, you realize it's the same game every year, just with a roster update and a few new a few new graphical tweaks here and there. Nothing really is ever, and it's just the same concept as the whole, you know, DLC thing for games. You just, it's the idea is we not only are able to sucker these people into buying fancy editions of these goofy sports games, but we're able to get them to buy a whole new version the very next year that's technically the same game with just a, a different roster. I mean, I just, to me, that that's really what turned me off. And got me out of playing any kind of sports game whatsoever. I wouldn't be caught dead buying a sports game nowadays.
0: And now they even have for Madden. I think it's like uh, Madden Ultimate Team Pack or something like that, yeah. where you can yeah, you compete that. online and, <laughs> and yeah, and then, then you're building up uh, a team. I, I don't know too much about it. I've just kind of seen a little bit of it. you're you build pay more money, build up your team so that you can compete online with other people. So yeah. even the generic game itself. Uh, it has become just kind of a side thing, a side piece, if you will. And I, I feel like if Fortnite has changed anything, that's the industry that I'm hoping kind of uh, follows suit in terms of let's just release one version of this game on the console and then release updates periodically throughout the year, things like that, that the consumer can, can then whatever, buy, download, you know, along those lines. It, Cause you're absolutely right. I, I have played those. I still play them periodically. Um, but my friends, this was years ago. This was probably at least, you know, 15 years ago or so. A lot of my more intelligent friends were had clued me into that. You do realize you're just buying the same game over and over and over again every year until a new console comes out and then there's some graphic updates and then, then it's the same thing. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care, though. <laughs> you know, I was 15 years dumber, which you can imagine what that was like. <laughs> but uh It's I'm hoping that some of those sports games maybe adopt kind of that same strategy, but I don't think they will because you can they people will buy the disc game. As you said, they will buy the ultimate version of the game that has Barry Sanders or whoever their their legend of the year is for that theme. And then they will also play the Madden Ultimate Pass or whatever the heck it's called and and spend a bunch of money in that as well. And it's it's crazy just the amount that people will will get suckered into
2: I think for oh, video games,
0: yeah. uh, video games for me though, I pay it, I don't
2: actually really play many video games, but I actually pay attention to video game news as much as possible. Cause I feel like when it comes to entertainment, that they're on this verge of changing the landscape. Uh, Cause if, if, for instance, when you were talking about earlier buying these packs and stuff, there's Fallout 76 had a $200 pack and you bought like this little shitty helmet and it was supposed to come with a bag. And it didn't have the same material bag that they advertised. It was supposed to be canvas material, and they actually shipped it out with nylon. Cheap little shitty nylon bag. Like a string pack. <laughs> yeah, it was. A, you know, yep. that's basically what it was. Yeah, instead of a duffel and bag. And they ended up getting a bunch of kickback. And pe- they were actually going to get sued because the game was just completely unplayable. The, the fact that that thing was changed. There were so many precedents set with that game where there was a huge backlash from fans where they were, they were actually going to get possibly in trouble for false advertising. And then with video games, with all this ultimate pass and stuff like that, a couple countries over in Europe have actually banned some of those games because they consider them gambling. And it's becoming this precedent of where – like because these loot boxes and shit like that, you pay money. It it even looks like a gambling machine, some of them. Like – Like you may get something. You don't know what you're getting, and you're paying money for it, and that's kind of what gambling is. And – yeah. Some countries some countries over in Europe have completely eliminated those games. And I feel like there's this precedent where uh, games and me- the entertainment and games media are kind of getting this pushback against what they're doing right now with the fans and, and uh, the consumers and stuff. And it'll be interesting where they end up, how much the pushback happens. Because when I hear people talk about, like with Justice League, how the trailers were false advertisement and stuff like that, I kind of laugh a little bit at that. But it, it kind of feels like it's a little bit of a precedent of like uh, when yes. do trailers start misleading people when do uh com- like studios and stuff mislead people I just feel like
1: their- I just feel like with that though as far as not to cut you off but as far as right the now, tra- trailers go I feel like if it's footage that they shot for the movie whether they use it in the movie or not is irrelevant it's all part of the same package they can they can they can take that beautiful, beautiful Snyder cut footage and market the theatrical cut all they like because that shot footage that was shot for for the movie for whatever purpose, whether it's used or not, so it's kind of like they it's kind of hard to make that argument, so I kind of laugh at that too, because it's like hey, it's all footage that's owned by the studio they can they can do what they right. want with it i mean it really it really isn't about. The consumer at that point, all it's about is getting you to go to the movie theater and for and maybe there is some sort of uh, uh, karma on this because nobody went to the theater for Justice League or at least not enough <laughs> people. So yeah. apparently using all that beautiful Snyder footage wasn't enough to bamboozle too many people because it was one of the lowest grossing DCEU films. So, bamboozled I, the
2: shit out of us. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> we went, Unfo- we unfortunately, unfortunately,
1: <laughs> unfortunately, the three of us sitting here are, are part of the bamboozled. It's, it's unfortunate, <laughs> but it's the truth. And it, and it, it, you know, and it's, and it's sad, you know, when you, when you look at that and in relation to video games. And I'm f- looking forward to the backlash that these video game companies are about to get when their next, next generation consoles. Go completely digital i 'm looking forward to that i can 't wait to see how horrible it 's going to be on the video game industry because that 's what they want to do. They want to eliminate physical media altogether and just have it be yep. one console and you download all your stuff to the and the, the, and how they 're going to get you is uh, buy the two terabyte version by this yeah. version you know the size of the of the hard drive on the on the console and then of course it 's going to be uh, they 're going to be pushing streaming of the video games not even not where you 're not even actually purchasing an actual downloaded copy of the video game you 're just streaming it off of the console and, and that in and of itself uh, is a bad thing because people are already complaining about how they don't really own their video games so right that's <laughs>
2: It's an interesting time for sure, and that's that was kind of the point of our back to that video that we did, the mediocrity yes. winning. It, it, that was kind of the point is that you're you're some consumers. There's obviously something driving this consumer nature. There's the casuals, whatever it might be, that are driving this nature. But at the same time, for some reason, there's no innovation at all in this, and I don't think people can appreciate innovation if they see it. And that, that's kind of where it came to, where it's like, well, if you're, say, right now, you're 15 years old, you grew up with Iron Man and the MCU. And that's pretty much like your 10 to 11 year span. You know, that's what you saw. And that's yes. how you picture movies. And like us, where we grew up, and I, you sound like you're a similar age to us, maybe, maybe a little bit older, but uh, like we saw varieties, like different comedies. Like, comedy was a thing back in the 90s. Now it's just like every once in a while they'll chuck out a $3 million comedy and be like, yeah, here you go. And it sucks. Action comedy. Yeah, or action comedy or something like that. That's overused. And really, comedies are kind of, I don't want to say dying, because they pump so much comedy into an action movie, like you just said, an action comedy, that you don't have just comedies anymore. And I mean we had dumb and dumber, we had all kinds of great freaking uh comedies Classic. and action and and back then whether you want to agree with it or not rated R movies were freaking marketed to kids and like Terminator 2 I will never forget my Arnold Schwarzenegger toy and my RoboCop toy I had fighting yeah, Robo-Cop. all the time
1: Yes yeah and that that, that there there you go that's a perfect example. Robocop being as brutal as it is, it's a totally adult thing, and it was marketed towards kids. And, and the idea, and the idea now that everything has to be sanitized in some way, it's, it's creating a narrative. I, I, that's why, you know what, I'm, I'm really, I want to stay as far away from this new, uh, Disney Plus streaming service as possible because I feel like it's only six
2: ninety nine. Man, are you sure? (laughs) Are you gonna be able to resist? I don't.
1: I feel like I feel like everything that they're putting on there though is going to be so watered down and sanitized. You are not going to get anything of any real depth because they want to keep everything completely family friendly. And that's not saying that family friendly is bad. It's just saying that if that's the only thing you are getting, it's it's designed. And again, that low price point is designed. To change the narrative. It's a design to be like, okay, we're going to get all these people completely accustomed to this, which is why, you know, again, with the masses and how everything has to be like the MCU. It's all a plan by the mouse for world domination. Don't you guys understand? <laughs> this is where we are. Like, I just, it's free. I mean, I mean, I, 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 I hate to say this, but I feel like we are in the infancy stages of George Lucas's, uh, thx movie you remember thx remember george no, orwell no. 19 well the movie uh, or, or like for example i'll just use george orwell's 1984 okay I know okay that. yes familiar with <laughs> that that's essentially where it looks like where we're headed we're getting to that they point live. where i mean they live that <laughs> is that's, another that's a that's a good example yeah that's another yeah. good example
2: assume assume mm-hmm. you know yeah, bye bye and it's just, yeah, just like what you said, man. And they're going to put those 3D glasses on and watch the Dizzy Plus Network or whatever it yeah. is. And. That's, oh my it's goodness. hilarious. Yeah, well, virtual,
1: I, I, virtual, re, virtual reality, gentlemen. Virtual reality and 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 sex robots, dude. This is the society yeah. that we're. <laughs> this is the society that I we're mean. living. In. We're, we're. It's. It's. It's over for. It's over for humankind. It really is. This is here. It is the infancy. The infancy stages. This is the beginning of the end. I. I, I really feel like you. 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 You think that we. We thought that you know Terminator and Terminator Two. We thought those were just great movies. Are you kidding? Those movies are freaking prophecy. <laughs> this is what it is. We're 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 <laughs> we're heading we're heading in that direction. I mean, it's just it's gonna happen. I mean, I just I don't know. We're I feel like that's where we're we're getting control. We're getting, it's control, and it's all gonna be it's it's gonna all be Disney's fault. Well, mostly Disney's fault.
2: Well, it's it's sometimes it's hard to blame, and this is what I've always had a problem with. Is it's it's fun to blame Disney. It's fun to it say. Is. It's very blame them mouth, but at the same time <laughs> you still got to have those people buy the shit you know it, it, but, it, but 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 see
1: it 's all about conditioning though you 're conditioning these people because when you think about it, okay if you started with you start but with bad parents. Iron Man <laughs> yeah well, okay man but, 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 but wait, it starts off when you think about it, when you think about how it all began, it began with Iron Man, and if you look at Iron Man, Iron Man really. Is not, you know, a sanitized, watered down movie. When you watch no, Iron Man, Iron Man is actually a pretty great movie. When you watch yeah. Iron Man, you're like, "This is some pretty good stuff." It's it's baby steps, gentlemen. It's we'll we'll start you here, and and then it's just going to gradually get to the point where everything is sanitized. And now you have you have Disney Plus, and you're going to have a a Winter Soldier. T V show. How the hell can you have a Winter Soldier TV show on Disney Plus? Winter Soldier is is, is supposed to be is supposed to be a badass character. How are you gonna have a sanitized Winter Soldier show on Disney Plus? How's that even gonna be possible? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just super soaker. <laughs> <laughs> Right, what's he gonna use? A super soaker to intimidate right. people? I, I can't even imagine uh, uh what you they're gonna do with uh park. All these characters, yeah, I, I don't understand it. It's like they they they're saying if they if they do bring, for example, the Daredevil being the most popular of the Netflix uh, uh, Marvel TV shows, if that comes back at all, that's going to come back on Hulu. And I'm like, you're damn right, it's coming on Hulu because there's no yeah. way something like uh, Daredevil or The Punisher is going to make it onto uh, Disney Plus.
2: When you watch those Netflix shows it's almost like it's not even done by anyone near Disney it's, and it's, it's probably yeah, not. it's not. No,
1: it's <laughs> not. It's designed and it's those insane. are designed. It's as, insane. It, yeah, those are designed as complete, you know, separate entities. That's why that's why Netflix is so awesome because like Netflix they, Netflix they allow they're the kind of Netflix is the kind of studio that Warner Brothers wishes they were. Because you always hear Warner Brothers talking about how, oh, we're a director-driven studio. We yeah. do this, 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 <laughs> and this. And it's like, no, you're not. Look at Netflix. Some of the shit that, that Netflix allows, there, there's yep. no, I mean, there'd be no studio known to man, no big studio out there that would ever allow anything like what Netflix. Netflix literally gives creators the ability to create, which is why I am so thankful that Zack Snyder's next movie is a Netflix Netflix yes. exclusive film because Army Absolutely. of the Dead is essentially going to be unhinged Snyder unleashed in a way that yeah. we probably have not seen because when you think about it any movie that he probably had to do for the big studio any of the movies he's had to do he's had to compromise in some way whereas oh, yeah. here he's not going he's not going to have to compromise one lick they gave they gave Zack Snyder ninety million dollars and told Zack Snyder make the movie you want to make. Are you kidding? This movie is going to be nuts. We are we're going to be like wow. We're going to be blown away. I, I just I'm 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 just I can't believe it. I'm like I get so super excited just thinking about it. I mean, wow. You know, Zack Snyder and Netflix. It could end up being a match made in heaven. Hopefully,
2: and I I can't wait for it. I and I hope other and you see it. Other people like did you see Triple, Triple Frontier? Yeah. Like ben Affleck. yeah. Yeah. And you start you see these movies and stuff, and like you see a lot of people are trickling down to that. Like a lot of people kind of shun Netflix, but then you have like Bird Box, which to oh. me would have been a movie that would have never been greenlit. in, oh, the, in any no. studio.
1: No, no. That movie was I, I couldn't believe that movie either. I was like, really? They they made this movie? I think I think Scorsese did something for Netflix too. And they're getting yeah. some pretty big they're getting some pretty big uh directors and stars moving over to Netflix now and that's why I say I think the future is Netflix as far as well that's actually it's actually the present uh you know for being <laughs> the the director driven uh the director or the content creator uh home cuz it seems like Netflix doesn't give a damn what you put out as long as people watch it Netflix is just like here here's your money do what you want to do and that's right that's how it always should be. Uh, the fact that these, the fact that these studios feel that it's necessary to mandate everything and micromanage everything—could you imagine going to work and being micromanaged at every single level of every little thing you do? You'd go insane. I don't know. Well, how, especially don't if know. you're
2: trying to do creative things. Anything. Right.
1: Yeah. Anything. But yeah, I mean, yeah. you could apply it to anything. Even if you have like the most mundane job, it's like you're being. It's like you're, you know, if after you've been working somewhere for a while, it's like and you're aware of your responsibilities at work, the last thing you would ever, you would ever want is people breathing down your neck constantly all day, every day telling you what you couldn't do and what you couldn't, could do no matter how long you've been there. So I can just imagine how it would be for a content creator. You've made all these movies. You made, you've made these studios Millions and in some cases cases billions of dollars, and yet the studio is breathing down your neck, telling you you got to do this, you got to do that, you can't do that, you have to eliminate this. I mean, I don't know how anybody can work in an environment like that that's ridiculous
0: That's the crazy part with uh, the whole Snyder and Warner Brothers relationship. Yeah. When when you look at it, like the amount of things that he has done, the amount of movies that he's created, the amount of money he has made for that studio and for everything to go down the way that it did for Justice League was is crazy. And I, I hope just as you that that people start gravitating even more towards Netflix and and it's smart of Netflix to continue this type of relationship with the creators, because then a lot of people are, you know, they're. They're gonna try to become more solely have these partnerships with with Netflix. Uh, look at um, and not not that all of his movies are great, but look at Adam Sandler. He has this partnership with with Netflix now, and they're starting to back his movies and have trailers, you know, uh, released on online on TV, saying you know uh, appearing on Netflix in July, where it's it's a, an actual movie trailer. You're know, like holy shit, it's it's crazy, and hopefully more people start to have that type of relationship or they force other studios to, to give some leeway to the content creator, the, the person who as mentioned earlier, you hired them, you, you're paying them this money, you're trusting them to, to make a movie. And then you're like going to tell them exactly how to make it. it. just doesn't make sense to me.
1: Right. I mean, this is why you hire the content creators to do their thing. If you if you already know how to do the job or how to get the job done better than they do, why even hire them? Just simply make a bunch of movies by committee, be a producer driven studio, let them come in and just do the manual labor which is basically shoot what you want them to shoot. No problem, and then just let a trailer company cut all your movies together. That's all. That's all you need to do, and you'll save a <laughs> lot. You'll, you'll save you'll save a lot of money, and you won't need you won't get none of this backlash because you won't have any auteur directors coming in with egos trying to make the movies they want to make. Because God forbid creators want to create, right? I mean, that's that's essentially what we're what we're getting the message we're getting from these people. And I kind of looked boundary. at. And I look at Marvel, and I look at Marvel as a good example, like they are every movie that was made under that banner for that m c u was made under the blueprint and the and the watchful eye of one man, right? This guy is like the overseer, the gatekeeper of everything he sits there the Vince mcMahon and he's the <laughs> vince mcMahon of, of yeah the Vince McMahon of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He what he says goes, and this is you know. And if you have a if he has a director that that is you know, up oh, oh, this little director's trying to push his vision. Goodbye, Edgar Wright. Get out of here. You know, it's like it's like you kind of you kind of get the feeling like my God, all of these MCU movies must have been made under you know that must have been they must have been the easiest movies in the world to make because it's like the producers are just like. Okay, you're gonna do this, 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 and this, and uh, you can write your story reasonably, but we have the ability to change it on the fly. So as long as you understand that, you can go ahead and make your movie. I, I mean, I, I don't, yeah, cookie cutter entertainment. That's that's what I like to look at. It, you know, just you know, comes out of a comes out of a tube, and they just put it on a cookie sheet. And, Put it in the <laughs> and the masses eat it up like it's cookie dough. <laughs> I, one of the most recent things
2: to happen, and I'm surprised it didn't get more traction. But I'm I'm sorry I don't remember the, the director's name. But she uh-huh. they were one of the women they were considering to do Black Widow. Yeah. And She was basically told, "Don't worry about the action scenes; yeah, we'll I was handle just the about action." To bring scene. that up. Yeah, and I'm, I was like, "Wow, wh- wow!" Like you can't tell me that this shit is not an assembly line. You know, as much people as people get apparently offended, the MCU fanboys get offended when you say that these things are factory made, that they're formulaic. You can't sit there and tell me this shit is an assembly line because that is that is a clear definition of assembly line. They just want this person to be there on time every day. Do what we tell you to do, and then don't worry. We got the rest from here. We got our own editors that will put the movie together. We got all this together. We'll handle the actual action scenes because we're going to do the same shaky cam we've done for the last fucking 15 movies. And we'll fucking <laughs> gyrate all over the place, make everybody sick. And and then, boom, we got it. Action but done. don't worry. Perfect.
1: Don't worry, though. You're allowed to stick your hand in the Cracker Jack box, and you get a nice little prize. You're okay. Exactly. You're on the a payroll. Paycheck. Don't worry, you're yep. gonna get a paycheck. Exactly. And guess what? You won't be able to make the movies you want to make while you're here working for us. But when you leave here, you might actually get a creative job with Netflix or something. So look on the bright <laughs> side. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I don't. I wouldn't want to work for them, to tell you the truth. I'm just. It's 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 incredible. I I don't know. That's why I say I don't know how. How Zack Snyder did it. It had to, it probably had to seem like, you know, the SS was in his office every day. Like, what are, <laughs> what are you, what are you, <laughs> like, he can't do anything. Like, oh, oh well, we're going to change this. Oh, I mean, and imagine getting rid of, of, of Chris Terrio as a writer. Chris Terrio is a brilliant writer. He, he, wanna, he's a br- brilliant script writer. Getting rid of him and saying, okay, Joss, do your thing like really
0: Yeah, get... we trading Hans Zimmer for Danny Elfman. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh. oh like yeah.
0: I, I get it. Danny Elfman is he's a he's, he's a, done some okay things. Yes, he, They wanted, he, they, wanted classic, they wanted exactly. Nostalgia.
1: They wanted Nostalgia. That's what it yep. was. They didn't want they wanted Nostalgia, which it doesn't even really matter that that nostalgia really has no place in this universe that this that this right. movie is supposed to take place in. That's not the issue. The issue is we want to cash in on nostalgia. They were thinking, "Oh, no, we'll have a little bit of the 1989 Batman theme. We'll have a little bit of uh Richard Donner uh Superman, Richard Donner." You know, you you figure, "Okay, but and and I swear, and I, I don't know if you guys caught this caught this as well, but I swear there was a little smidgen of the Actual Avengers theme in that Justice League movie. I swear it's in there somewhere. I just can't I, remember. I, exactly I didn't watch where it I enough heard to,
0: it. to remember.
1: It's in there somewhere. I, I no, but it stood out, f- and I only seen it in the theater one time, and it stood out to me when I was in the theater. Mm. I heard it, and I don't remember what it was. I think it was, I think, and I, I like. I could be completely wrong now because it's been so long since I've watched it, but I think it was the scene when they were. When they were just when they were getting ready, when they were on the, you know the the flying fox, the the ship, the carrier that Batman had, and they were getting ready to get off of the ship, to go uh, and finally have the final, you know the final battle with Steppenwolf. I think that was the scene that where they played the Avengers theme, a, a little bit of it, like a, like Elfman did like a variation of it, and you know, wow. and it's so funny if you actually go back and read like the interviews that Danny Elfman did at that time. I mean, the man was practically whoring himself. He's like, well, the only, the only Batman theme that exists is the one that I did back in night." And when I think of Superman, I I think it's like, I, 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 so he didn't really care about anything that had been established in this new continuity. It was, it was incredible. I was like, well, they got the right guy. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> yep. Yep. So. And he just totally
2: glossed over Cyborg and Flash and stuff. Oh, oh, yeah. I, mem- yeah. I remember we read those direct quotes on uh, on a video a long time ago when it happened, and like he just kind of like pl- uh, just skimmed over, like, oh yeah, I did some minor things for them and stuff, from like minor. Like, oh, oh, oh wait so, a minute. So far, oh, every oh, every character oh. <laughs> has had this fantastic tone yep. to them. No matter when you saw them, they, it was this excellent excellent score behind it and you're just saying oh i did this little thing for now if they want to change it later on they can and yeah well guess what you're one of those fuckheads that changed wonder woman's theme oh and, that was he,
1: something else too he's like oh oh but oh but don't don't worry you know i have a little bit of wonder woman's theme in there it's in there i i, I left it in there and also we even had a little bit of uh of uh, han zimmer's krypton theme for all you fans of that shit it's like it's like it's, it's, it's like for real I, I just i don't know i just feel like my god talk about tooting your own horn like like i i actually thought about that and i was like my god i hope danny elfman never gets another score as long as i'm alive because oh my
0: gosh he just no kidding
1: he just i mean you talk about a guy that like is like he, he this was a guy who was like smelling his own shit like vick's vapor rub i mean he's sitting in there <laughs> yeah i can, I can picture him sitting in a room like yes i am the man i am better than zimmer i'm better than junkie xl yeah you know james horner doesn't have nothing on me and he's just sniffing his own shit just enjoying himself that's what it it sounds like to me you know i'm kind of reminded of that of that uh of that musician uh, who was popular some years ago? I don't know if you guys know about him. Uh, I think his name is Yanni, and he kind of looks like a yeah. like a like a like one of those models for like those for those underwear commercials. And you got like a Fat Fabio. He kind of looks like that. Okay. And he does, and basically he makes a lot of like new agey type, really goofy new agey type music. And I remember I read an article about him how. He'll only listen to his music. He won't listen to no other artist's music. And he believes that his music is a, I believe the quote was something like, his music was, is a gift from God that everybody should worship or something like that. And that's how I was picturing, uh, you know, uh, Danny, Elfman. Danny, uh, Danny Elfman in this situation. <laughs> like, oh, there's only one Batman theme. Oh, there's only, I mean, and when you, when you hear that music in that movie, it's like, it's so out of place and completely yeah. jarring. It's All like, it. it's All like, what it. am I, am I watching Batman the animated series? No. It's like in your, <laughs> I just, right. yeah. I mean, I just, it comes out of nowhere too. And it's just like, Oh my God, this guy has just literally lost his mind. I don't know. We, we have, we had great themes for these characters. Hans Zimmer and Junkie XL didn't just, didn't just, you know, pull these pull these themes out of their asses, they actually gave us, you know, high quality stuff and it's just like my goodness. To be fair,
2: just like Joss Whedon, he was put in a terrible position. I mean, to me, the always well, Joss argument Whedon is
1: Joss Whedon was he was Joss they Whedon's should've. pick. They worked together before, so there, you know, that's yeah. he was the composer I think on the Avengers uh films that Joss did. So I think he was for the second one. I think it was, was Age it? of Ultron. I think I think it, the I think first it was first or second. I don't. But know.
2: Uh, but uh, the thing was though, they both really had no time to do this. I think at best they both came on full board around June, and that's five months to try to do whatever they're supposed to do. And again, my thing is, you really should have never taken the fucking job from the start. Who but would? It? To,
1: Who would? Yeah. yeah but this...
2: to to get put in that position though it's gotta suck in some sense. You're basically told retweak this whole movie that's completely shot in a vision of another director that is, you know, let's just be honest, it's pretty much polar opposites between Joss Whedon and Zack Snyder. And then you have Danny Elfman, who, I mean, that's why he probably had to reuse the Superman theme, reuse the Batman theme because he probably (laughs) couldn't, he didn't have time to fucking come up with anything else, and he's
0: lazy. And so (laughs) I I think a large part of it, absolutely, give him. Uh, the benefit of the doubt to an extent. But I also think part of it is the choice to take liberties, at, you know, as uh, in the example of Danny Elfman, where he, instead of maybe trying to incorporate what's already been established, and he probably wasn't even familiar with it, is what it seems like, is he had, he had no fucking clue and went, well, oh, let me just try to throw some of this together. But in, instead of Maybe trying to follow what was already established, they took liberties and completely changed. I, th- I feel like you can take the score from Justice League, plop it into the Lego Batman movie, and and no one would know the difference because it's yeah. it's that like just toned down and and instead of going okay, l- let me try to follow what's what's already been been established and with this universe with previous movies with with this exact movie, you know, we we know to a point uh, a good amount of it was already done, and then they went. And, and backtracked and, and completely went in a different direction. And that's where, where my frustration is, is why, number one, why take the job? when And number two, why take that many liberties to to completely redo it? And, you know, some people can make the argument, well, if you're left with a Frankenstein piece, you have to chop it up and, and come up with your own thing. But, you know, when you're doing reshoots to try to navigate an entire new story with, with that family and everything like that, that's where it becomes frustrating.
1: Absolutely, and I keep thinking, and I don't know about you guys, but I keep looking at it from the perspective of, well, gee, do you ever stop to think that maybe if Joss Whedon would have turned this turned this movie down, they would have realized, oh my God, we don't we don't have enough time to get another director. Mm-hmm. We might as well just use what we got and release Zach's version. And come what may, this is what we got. I wonder how close it would have came to that if if they if they didn't get the guy they wanted, because they obviously wanted Joss Whedon because of uh Avengers. So if they couldn't get him, do you think do you guys think that they would have they would have did that and they would have given us a Snyder version? Or do you think maybe they would have just had their trailer company cut it up or they would have eventually just got any schmuck to come in and direct it and and do whatever and they would have just went with that. I, I mean I think they would have Finally, they would have just said, well, the hell with it. We don't have that much time, so we're just going to release what we got. What do you guys think?
0: Well, what we were led to believe is just that, is that Whedon was coming in because he had experience and he was going to try to shore up some of, you know, tie up the loose ends essentially, not redo the whole freaking movie. And and <laughs> right. I, I, I do agree. I think that, that if he would have said, no, nah, I'm, I'm good, you know, I'd, I don't want to take this type of job, and maybe they, they get some other Joe Schmuck who – maybe doesn't have as much experience. They are forced to just move forward at some loose ends. And and maybe it's not, maybe it's not the greatest thing. Maybe there's some missing scenes, but they did that with BVS. It's such that movie is so much more cohesive when you actually fill in the gaps. So they could have been done. And I, I think because they found their guy, like you said, who did Avengers made that successful. They're able to attach his name. And then he, Went out and took the liberties of, okay, now I'm now I'm gonna completely change the the entire story. Where you were going in one direction, I'm gonna go in the complete other. And and I don't necessarily blame Whedon. I I think it was a lot of the higher ups that wanted that to happen. That were like, okay, finally Snyder's out of the way. Now we can do this because we know what's best for this. And they just happened to find the right guy to go. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll throw in these jokes and you know and, and rewrite these scenes and I'll have this family so that I can tie it all together. And instead of just finishing up what had already been started and then and then, you know, rolling out the movie or delaying it. The thing is, though, if reports are correct, I mean, Whedon was
2: brought in really in like March for pickups. If Mm -hmm. I remember right, that's how it was phrased was for pickups. And if you go back to our Donner cut video, I mean, it's very similar to when Lester was brought in and he was a producer, though. And he was kind of like this middleman between him, between Donner and the Salkinds. And I kind of feel like somehow Jeff Johns or somebody in general brought in Whedon. I'm just going to say Jeff Johns because it's fun to blame him. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, they brought him in and he's already doing rewrites. He's already doing uh new, new pickups and mm-hmm. all this other stuff, reshoots and stuff like that, you know, Snyder leaves. And now it's just kind of like, well, Hey, you wrote it. Let's film it. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of just rolls into that after that point, if he just says, no, It does lend to some ideas. It's written, for the most part, by the time they want to shoot it. They can schedule some of these reshoots. So do they just get some schmuck, some producer uh, behind the camera to film these? Does it just happen no matter what? Because that stuff was already being written. Some yes man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: It was already being written. and, And when you think about all the money that they spent on the reshoots, it would have been cheaper for them to just go with what they had. I mean, it's insane.
2: It's just, it's just, I don't know. I've tried to lend it to the idea of you spend money to make money type thing. Like they probably truly thought there's some, I put it down to some bean counter somewhere and that they think that this is the goal to success. It's under two hours. So that means more showings. We're going to have it here. Star Wars, The Last Jedi is going to obliterate it in a month. So we need is a uh, two hour version to have as many showings as possible. It's got humor. It's going to pander to those critics that bitch and moaned. And this will be our formula to success because a two-hour or a shortened version of a Snyder movie is just not going to sell. Because obviously, as we've seen, you just take 30 minutes out of a movie. It makes it kind of incoherent as it is what we saw with BBS in mm-hmm. and, yes. and the theatrical version. So trying to reduce it down to a two-hour or two-hour and five-minute version of a Snyder version where, we, as we've seen, there's death, there's Sil- Silas death, Silas Stone's death. There's a bunch of different factors that could happen. The ending is up for grabs on what it could be, but if you believe some of the ideas out there, the ending is just so drastically different. The involvement of other characters like Darkseid, uh, possibly being in the movie, just so many factors. You have to you have to alter it. You have to change some things in order for this movie to make even a lick of sense, in which it really still didn't, because it didn't follow any of the aspects from the previous movies, as we saw with Cyborg. Yeah. Oh, the Mother Box kicked on after Superman died. Wait. We saw an email where you transformed or the mother box kicked on long before Superman yeah. ever died. <laughs> but yet, and then it's a completely different uh, what is that origin or new genesis or uh, reborn moment of Cyborg? He's got most of his limbs mm-hmm. and uh, then still becomes it unlike the more, I guess, scary version that Snyder right, had. Kind of
1: like the scary version that Snyder had envisioned, I think felt would have felt more like a Robocop type thing.
2: Oh, of course, oh, and I think maybe Terminator because you got yeah. Silas, done. you got <laughs> Joe Morton, <right? laughs> yeah. But it's just, it's just weird. It's just this odd concept. I think they had Being Counters telling yeah. you, like, if, if this is the formula for success, humor with some of our action. We take some of those action scenes that Snyder already did, and let's add in the humor, the pickups, shorten it down to two hours. This is it, guys. This is what's going to get us back in the mode. And hey, ATT T merger. Is uh, is about to happen, so let's get this thing done,
1: so we can keep our bonuses.
2: It, it, you know what's crazy, and, and and I put this up on our Twitter a while back, but Eric Bischoff, the guy that used to run WCW way back in the day, yes, he, yes, he he, he 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 talked about this when there was the AT and T or excuse me, the AOL and Time Warner merger back then. And he was talking about how your stock options will basically shoot their their they when as soon as the merger happens and they hit that high level what happens with the merger you get paid out you get a check for that and he was talking about that and I could just picture that yeah that's why they pushed this movie out you got to get it out you make your money back ish kinda but <sighs> At the same time, your stock options now shoot through the roof when the at t merger happens. And you get – not only do you already get your bonuses, but a fat, fat check from your stock options as well. And that's a big deal. And that's what he was talking about in that episode of 83 Weeks on that podcast. And the, the stock options and everything, especially if these people thought they were going to get fired, if they thought they were going to get removed from this. Th- I mean, it just makes so much sense when I was hearing that. Like, this is why. This is why they panicked. They pushed it out the door. They didn't care what it looked like. You know, just put the movie out. It doesn't have to be quality.
1: Exactly. And it doesn't have to tie into the previous movie all that much. We don't care. It was like this is like one of those movies where like you have two really really good theatrical releases and then you have a direct to video sequel that just kind of <laughs> yep. that just that just that just kind of that like loosely acknowledges The previous movies. I mean, this movie was so bad that they could have, they could have recast everybody and just, you know, and just had it be like a loose sequel and they probably would have been, they probably would have been better off because people would have went to see it just out of curiosity because of the different actors. (laughs) I mean, it's, you know, there's so much, there's so much that they, you know, there's so much that they did wrong that it's just like you don't even, it's hard to even consider it anything. That's why to me I looked at it I look at it like this I watch I consider Man of Steel, Batman v. Superman, the, you know, uh the ultimate cut and then Wonder Woman kind of teeters between Zack Snyder's DCEU and the uh, and the new DCEU that they're doing now and it's just kind of there in the middle it's kind of like the you know it's kind of like the buffer between between the two because when you go as you move further away after if once you leave Wonder Woman then you're off the reservation. You're no longer in Snyderville. You are gone. Wherever you're going now, it's a completely different boat. You're almost you're about you're about two doors away from Disney. And you're <laughs> and you're basically and you basically you can't you you can't avoid it that you're you're about to you're about to touch the mouse. The ship is about to sink. I mean, there's nothing, you know, it's like and then and then they turn around and they do this. They say, "Well, we're going to do birds of prey and we're going to do Joker and we're going to We're gonna steer. We're gonna steer the ship this way, and it's gonna look. And it looks like it's gonna look more like, you know, it's not necessarily It's not gonna. Definitely, it's definitely not gonna. None of these movies are gonna have the visual prowess of Snyder, but they're gonna be. You know, but they're gonna be a little bit different, so that they can say, well, we're not trying to make all family friendly movies. We're still a director-driven studio i mean we're giving you an r-rated joker movie I, I mean i could totally see the the mentality that they have now so that they're doing the joker movie so they can justify that they're still a they're still a director-driven studio well they're
2: like fox now they're fox 2.0 uh, they have 13 yeah. movies and R, like logan and stuff like that and right. these little pieces where you know joker logan it's fairly sad and then maybe i guess birds of prey might be rated r i don't know they're they're fiddle i doubt it you got too many people in there that are uh marketed or easily marketable and stuff like that so you want it pg-13 yeah, but it'll
1: be pg-13 though we might i mean who knows we might get an extended cut later on that'll be r but that's the other thing and i i look at you know for example like with suicide squad the way they marketed suicide squad Suicide Squad should have been an R-rated movie. I don't care what anybody says. If Suicide Squad was R-rated, they could have, they could have did so much with that film. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like that's what was supposed to happen. It was supposed to be like a BVS kind of thing, where you know you get the PG-13 version in theaters, and then once Ayer's director's cut comes out, you get an R-rated version. But instead of getting uh Ayers R rated directors cut, you we end up getting just another extended cut like how they did uh Zack Snyder with Sucker Punch. We still haven't seen Zack Snyder's version of Sucker Punch, by the way. Right. Yeah. We we have no idea what Zack Snyder's version of Sucker Punch would have been because we never seen it. And that was I'm a, wondering if
2: it's even filmed. That, the way well, he par- talked about it, the way he talked about it made me wonder if it's even been filmed. Because yeah. I'm trying to wonder if he's compromised from the start. Of what he originally wanted to do, and yeah. so so the idea, some of the ideas got lost and not even maybe even filmed. I wonder, but,
1: but I thought he said he has a director's cut of it, but it hasn't. I been thought released. his answer was
2: that the director's cut wasn't a definitive director's cut. Yeah, it's a, it's
1: a, it's a director's cut of of what he was forced to do, but it's not right. a director's yeah. cut in the in the vein that of what he would have wanted. Kind of like kind of like Justice League. Right. Okay. Yeah, I've got it. He's got a cut. He's got a director's cut of Justice League a a 214 minute cut of Justice League. But it's it's a director's cut of what he was forced to do. And it makes you wonder how many directors are like that are literally compromised from the beginning. They don't really get to give you their vision. We never really see their vision because, in most cases, because of the studio mandates, because there's too much money in these movies now. So these studios are panicking and saying, "No, it has to follow a certain, a certain blueprint, you know, frame by frame." And this is what you do: take the job or don't. I mean, I don't know. I'm just. Well, when he
2: said what he said at SnyderCon, I thought was very telling, especially of his mindset. When he was talking about after the reaction of BVS, him and Chris Terrio both kind of looked at each other like, oh, well, maybe we are crazy. And and he even talked about he lost a little confidence from it. And I think that's where he bent to the will a little bit more and more because he's like, well, maybe these guys are right. Maybe the shit that I was trying to do is way too off the beaten path. And they're trying to bring me back in, you know, a little yin and yang to it all. And I, when you hear that, you're like, wow, this guy who is obviously a very confident guy in his visual and his creativity anyway, and an Academy Award winning writer started to question themselves because of the yeah. reaction to a movie. And that's that's really, really telling when you when you hear that of in and, and people, you know, a lot of people like that do the hashtag never compromise, but. And sadly, he did. He compromised a lot, and he tried to work with WB a lot. And that's what actually, to me, what makes it even worse no. is he tried to work with him. He redid the script. Him and Terryo had to redo the script for Justice League, pretty much eliminating that second part of Justice League, just for WB. And and all that, and they still, they still turn their back on him, and they won't
0: even acknowledge his version of the movie for the most part. I mean that's even worse. Well, and they were the ones based on the Dark Knight, the success of the Dark Knight trilogy, yeah. they were the ones who were like we are going to do a, a darker essentially universe, a new Man of Steel was going to kick off something more realistic, yep, more realistic. They brought him in and he, no one technically. Yeah, but but yeah, it, it, and they no one kept the studio off his back for Man of Steel and they because that uh, trilogy made a billion dollars and they're like, okay, this is the direction we want to go. Then they start seeing Disney across the pond making a billion dollars over here. And they're like, no, we want to go that way. And yeah. it's, it's insane that instead of just saying, okay, yeah, they're doing their thing, but, but we're confident in ours and, you know, let's and, have some variety. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. No, and they, not, they everything, wanna...
1: not everything has to be cut and paste like we were talking about earlier. And that's what I don't understand. They had, they had originality on their side they were catering to a different flavor than disney i mean i mean i don't understand the world we live in now everything has to be <laughs> like disney you you're serious i mean i i feel like okay so if this were if this were happening in the 80s or 90s what would a robocop have been like what would starship troopers have been like what yeah, would man. what would the abyss have been like Would we have even gotten the Aliens movies at all? I mean, I'm just, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, my God, if Disney had that much control back then that they do now, where every studio wants, particularly Warner Brothers, wants to emulate them, there's a lot of movies we would not have gotten. And I don't know about you guys, that Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy, that wouldn't have happened either. Yeah. It, There's no way, there is no way that trilogy would have been considered too dark. It would have been considered, uh, it would just would not have, it would not have fit with today's everything's got to be funny in order to make money. It just would not have worked out. It's I, I crazy. See.
0: Uh, the amount of money when when you go into, even with theme parks, I've, I've been really fascinated with, with Disney, the amount of money they put into the research of their theme parks and and you know when when to start popping popcorn, how loud to have the music at a specific time of day, uh, you know, just different things like that. Because they they put so much money into researching humans, essentially, and and behavior. how they, yeah. yeah behavior how they react to certain things. And they've obviously done something like that too for their movies as well. And you know that any type of theme park, whether it's Six Flags, Universal Studios. Or, you know, Great America, you know, anything like that, if if you're familiar with with Great America. But all all of those uh, all those theme parks are great for their own reasons. And if they were all trying to continue to replicate Disney, it would it's it would be very difficult to do. And I know from things that I've read that they are, they're trying to say, okay, how can we be just like Disneyland? How can we be just like Disney world? Because this is what they've done instead of just being confident in exactly what they're doing. And it's, it's fascinating to me, but also, you know, uh, just painful to watch as well. Instead of uh, back to the Netflix thing, uh, they're confident in what they're doing and what they're trying to do and the creativity and they're bringing people because of that instead of trying to emulate Disney, Disneyland, or whatever it is that they've created. You know, one of the funny things was when we went to SnyderCon, and Zack
2: Snyder was kind of, you know, he was laying it out to the critis- the criticisms he got for uh, Batman killing and all this other crap, and Shane and I were sitting next to each other, and we're like, yeah, we see the references all the time about, you know, the Snyder fans are a cult, and uh we were sitting there next to each other, and like he's saying that stuff, and him, Shane and I are both, our eyes are lighting up, we're clapping, we're like, yeah, yeah. And then I looked at Shane, I'm like, fuck, we're a cult. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was like, but, it, it, damn it, that, we're, that's what that cult, it feels dude? like. <laughs> that, that's what it feels like. It's it's been they've painted a picture that is so bleak and and dreary around us as Snyder fans. That yeah, you almost feel you almost feel that way because it's a it's there's a reason that we have such a reverence and love for Zack Snyder. His films have all touched us in different ways and have made us feel things that other films have not. And the idea that in the idea that yeah, because we're because we have this deep, intense, you know, love for what this director has done and how he and how he portrays himself, we're cultists. Well, if that's the way it is, hey. That's, well that's just good, it, was it was just funny being to be in, the, in. <laughs> in that room exactly.
2: with with everybody and just like it, you could just see the momentum like the yeah. feeling it's in fine. the room and it's just like people are leaning forward in their chairs your
1: eye laughing, your, the eye and your and, eyes gleaming like that
2: <laughs> on, hanging on every word he was saying at that moment and <laughs> just like and we were just enjoying it so much and and then I just realized uh, I
1: was like, damn it, Shane, I think, I think we're going to cold. But I love it. Yeah, so this is can, yeah. can, can we, can we get an amen? <laughs> I mean, for amen. real. I mean, it's yeah. like, oh no. <laughs> you get me a Release the Snyder Cut, you know. And, uh, amen. Which I, 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 I got to yell. <laughs> so. so I guess, I, I guess, I guess now I, I could ask you guys, how disappointed were you guys with the release the Snyder Cut, uh, or the lack of release the Snyder Cut? questions or anything in regards to that at at SnyderCon i mean because i i kind of feel like you know you go to an event like that and it's you know it's SnyderCon if you're expecting to hear anything at all you're you're gonna expect to hear it there even more so than like comic-con or anything like that so what i mean you got and you guys you know guys have talked about your feelings about this before but i mean have you guys had any like new revelations or thoughts on it since the time has passed, and since you've been, you know, since now you're you're away from it and you can you can look back on it as a positive memory?
0: Well, I think it was uh, honestly a lot of it was just a whirlwind of of different emotions. We had we met a lot of really cool people, a lot of people that thought like us that felt you know just as frustrated as we did. Uh, and, and that, that aspect was, was awesome. It was a lot of fun. The other side of it, as the days kind of grew on and we, we only went to two of them. Uh, we, we weren't even at the, the, uh, first one for, um, Donna, Dawn of the dead. Uh, but as it kind of continued to, to grow on our frustration with the people who were actually getting to answer the questions or ask the questions that that's where a lot of the frustration came from where we're like, what the hell? You're you're wasting time. It's it's hard to it was it was really hard to to get the ability to get the microphone passed to you and be able to ask a question. And we felt that there was a lot, uh, uh, a lot of people who felt the same way that we did, and a lot of people that knew what the goal was going there to to get some questions answered. And there was just a lot of valuable time that was wasted. And I think that's where a lot of our frustration came from. And it felt like he wanted to say stuff. I mean, he was drinking. Yeah, He was ready to
2: go, and he wanted to say stuff, and I think he wanted to answer these questions. I think he was ready and raring to go to be on the record legitimately, like through a Vero thing, saying what he wanted. And I remember the moment when I uh, got frustrated, and I looked at Shane, and I'm like, why? Why is everybody tiptoeing around this question? Like, yep. Why is it happening like this? And I ended up yelling in the back because we were in the back because we really didn't. You know, we're like the cool kids in the back of the bus. You know, we, we, we got we to <laughs> yeah, chill in the back. Exactly. And and I got mad and I yelled, released the
0: Snyder cut. And Shane says I said, fuck, at the end. But I, I don't remember saying that. I, as as you, in frustration, as you leaned back in your chair, because you, you got up and yeah. uh, halfway and yelled it. And then as you leaned back in your chair out of frustration, you're like, fuck. Like, just, <laughs> damn, someone just asked. Because he, as people started asking questions and getting the ball rolling, to Matt's point he he was an open book and you can tell even Deborah was a little bit like uh hesitant and you know there there was just a, a lot of stuff uh around it uh and and there's just a lot of frustration with that as well and and then when the third night came and we had the one jackass troll of oh, I'm going to ask the question that everyone uh, on Twitter wants to know and it, it's just shit like that they was was the most frustrating but aside from that, I think the entire event itself was really cool. A oh, lot, yeah, a lot of people have been talking about maybe making it an annual thing. That'd be awesome. Uh, yeah, and yeah. and and getting to meet up with, with and meet a lot of really cool people uh, was a lot of fun. But the fact that, um, you know, we didn't really get any answers, which a lot of people were hoping for. Uh, we got some, some stuff. Some
2: people did get in personal things, but just nothing really. On the record, as right. much
0: as somebody wanted, you know,
2: you want to say, like, you know, if you believe me or not on what he said about the VFX being incomplete. I mean, I could prove the poster thing because he pointed that thing to me when I asked him about the runtime and uh, and he could point that. So that one's easily, easy, provable, easily provable. There we go. And but, you know, the other one where he told me that the VFX were incomplete, it's just it's hard to be like, well, yeah, and you just got to. Believe me. And that's that thing where it's hard to believe people because you see that all the time. Like people at comic cons, they ask Ray Fisher a question Mm -hmm. and they repeat back what he says. And you're like, "Eh." or like, what was the one Jason Momoa apparently got on stage, said Justice League was good, but the Snyder cut is better. He apparently yelled that. And people were talking about that for a while. And I'm like, well, how do we know? I mean, just that doesn't you know, there's no video of it. And it's just hard even even then. Like, hell, I don't even believe myself. (laughs) And uh, and it's just really difficult that no one asked those questions. And and the thing was, to me, it's like, you know, we all were there. Most of us, for the most part, spent $100 for each one of these showings. Depending on who you were, I mean, you had had, to get a hotel. There was one guy that apparently drove all the way from Oklahoma. He did. Nonstop. He switched off with his sister and nonstop. And then he didn't get a hotel that night. And he was going to drive back and they were just going to switch off again.
0: Just to come to the BVS night. That was it. He
2: never got a hotel. He just drove
0: nonstop. Yeah, uh, called in uh, from work on Monday yeah. so that he could he could drive back. Yeah, yeah All it, the way it, from
2: Oklahoma. The, and I thought we were like, oh, we're cool. We're driving eight <laughs> not, hours. Yeah,
0: exactly. Eight <laughs> hours.
2: Like, look at that. On a straight highway, Highway uh, 5. <laughs> Who the hell knows what he had to go through in Oklahoma. Probably... All those pueblos in New Mexico and shit, <laughs> and uh, uh it, and trust me, I've driven through Arizona, New Mexico, and everything. That is a desolate wasteland. <laughs> There's nothing around, nothing. Like if you just see a bird, you're excited to see life. And it's it it it's got to be a crappy trip. But that guy did it. That's how dedicated he was. And I felt like, and Shane and I kind of felt it this way that if there was going to be any time he was going to say something, it was going to be that night. Exactly. That's what, that was the point. I felt like anyway. That was the point. He, this is his most dedicated fans
0: that are in front of him right now. You know, this is going to be the people that no, he, the, And the fans that were there. You could tell. You could you could feel it throughout the entire BVS movie. Some of it was was getting a little annoying, but people are yelling things out and... and it's my
2: Superman! <laughs> <laughs> and
0: and there's, there was a buzz. There was definitely a buzz that, that night and to get the questions and, and we also reverse our strategy. We were the cool kids in the back and then we're like, screw it. We're, we're getting up front. We have, we have to be, you know, second, third row, whatever it was. Um, it may be a little bit further back. Yeah, thank you, uh, uh, yes, but we, but we were, we had switched our strategy because everyone on, on the watchman night, all the questions were getting asked up front. So we're like, okay, well then apparently so did everyone else. They switched their strategy that the, the people who were handing out the mics because then it was everything in the, everyone in the back and it, it was just such a wasted opportunity on on a night that was full of, of buzz and people were just waiting for it. And it, it definitely seemed like a lot of it was handpicked. Yeah. Uh, you, you got some students that, that maybe enjoyed Snyder and were obviously there for a reason, but not the people that were just clamoring for answers and really committed uh, like the, the kid who drew, drove from Oklahoma. That's commitment for, for this director, for this event, and and to be to kind of walk away. I mean, we did a, a video afterwards where we were dead tired. I'm pretty sure yeah, I had a lazy eye. <laughs> yeah. I realized. Oh like uh,
1: yeah. I remember much. that video. <laughs> I look like I was slowly <laughs> yeah.
2: in that video. I'm like, Ugh. we were just uh, so yeah. frustrated. Yeah, was... Frustrated and tired. It was 1am. <laughs> yeah. which is way past my bedtime. <laughs> yeah. Way past my way bedtime. Way too old for that. Yeah. After standing in line for like an hour and a half, just to talk to him for literally microseconds. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was it was a frustrating thing and it was like in BVS too I, I had so many questions just about BVS alone, right. And like I, I was hoping the Snyder cut question would get thrown out there the first one and we could get our answers and then okay let's actually now talk about BVS because Well that's I what have, I
1: that's what I didn't understand either. I mean watching it at home I was like feeling that same way like how how are we at a Snyder event and nobody is answering as asking that question? How did how did nobody just blurt that out. I mean, that had to be the first thing on everybody's mind. I just found it to be impossible. Like it didn't make any sense how it didn't come up at all.
2: I mean, it, I mean, the one dude yelled the wonder woman question. Yeah. Like what about the wonder woman theme? Which I, I'm not sure how audible, how much the Bureau picks up on this stuff on the audible end of it and stuff. Cause the microphones, I think were the only things that were hot that you could hear. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, when I yelled, well, I heard
1: that, you, I heard you on the, uh, on the uh, Watchmen Day, I heard you uh, yell out, release the Snyder Cut. But it was because I had it. I was running Vero through a program called Blue Stacks on my PC. So I was able to run it in full screen on my TV and watch it like I was there. So I could hear, and, and, and you could hear, and, and so you could hear the audience yell out certain things if they were loud enough. But when you yelled okay. out, release the Snyder Cut, it was very audible. So that was awesome.
2: I was actually quite surprised by that. Because I didn't – I think Shane and I were talking about it when we got out of there. I'm like, man, I wonder if it even got picked up. I doubt it because, I mean, I figured it's only the microphones and it's probably – I don't know if I yelled loud enough to get to the microphones and stuff. And, and then I was wondering, like, eh, I wonder if anybody was able to even, like, record it, I guess would be the phrasing for us old people. Like, we were able to tape it, you know, because I was <laughs> curious to see if I could hear myself in the back. and it, it, in. And uh, when we did our live stream right afterwards, and people were asking, "Was that you that yelled? Was that you that yelled? Was that you that yelled?" I was like, "Oh well, I guess it. I guess you could hear it." So there was people yelling on the BBS night. Release the Snyder Cut in the back, but they, one, they just it, they were trying to yell over other people. There was a poor timing on it all, and they or they were yelling it during the movie. I remember there was some uh, guys behind us that as soon as Sna- uh, as soon as Zach comes out. Everybody should start chanting, release the Snyder Cut. That's what they were saying to us, uh, to me, to Dave, Mm -hmm. the film junkie, and stuff like that. And we're like, okay, guys, go for it. And, like, Zach walks out. Not a single freaking word came out of their mouth. And I was just kind of like, what, we have to start it? It's your idea. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, we have to start it? And and I looked behind me. They never started the chant. They never started the chant. And there was, like, a whole row of them. that said they were going to start this chant. And none of them ever did. And I, I don't know if that's just they were trying to be respectful. Like maybe they just kind of backed off because they didn't want to like just bombard him right off the bat when he came out or they just kind of got cold feet on it.
0: Uh, I don't know. But it was just really weird. It seemed like so many people were determined to ask this question. And yet, the, no. the guy who asked the Wonder Woman question about the theme, I think it might have been more frustrating than the Twitter troll. Spider Man one. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the Sp- they're they're pretty. Even. they, they were, but the fact that it was, it, I felt it was disrespectful, out of turn. Yeah. And on top of it, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, maybe if you would have asked about the Snyder cut, that everyone wanted to know about, it would be a little bit different. But he just jumped in. There was he had no microphone. He and he wanted to ask the all important question, and he, and Snyder was confused. He was like, "What are you? What are you talking about? Yeah, she can use it if she wants to. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it just that? That was incredibly frustrating. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It just uh, the the amount of opportunities that we have right now, and and you're gonna jump out of turn, and you know we're all trying to show some level of respect, and uh and that that was frustrating. And then you get the the Twitter uh, Spiderman troll guy, and I don't know, frustrating. I, I well.
1: don't know how that even how that even happened. I mean, that should have been the first question out of anybody's mouth. I mean, in all honesty, I mean you. It, what you guys were paying money for this, like Spider Man? Yeah. Like I, I just—that's what I don't understand. You're paying, and and he, I, I agree with you. He looked like he was ready to go. Like he wanted to answer these questions. If they were asked, he would have given you the answers. He probably would have said everything, everything that he that he knew. But nobody asked. Nobody. Yeah, that's. <laughs> it's a weird
2: turn of events, man, when you look at Twitter and you look at all these people they're like, you know they've been demanding this thing and and then you get this chance, this opportunity once in a lifetime, you know <laughs> little m M&M and m there for you anyway uh but uh it, you get this chance and you don't do it, you don't pull the trigger, you like you raise your hand you you get your question and like and you know, I remember the Washburn night the one guy was asking over and over again about to Larry Fong about what what lenses he uses. Which at first I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. But then he was dragging he it on. He just kept going, yeah. He kept going and on and So on. was it like this type of camera? He was definitely a student. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that was just like, wow. And then, and then a couple other people you know, got the microphone that I thought for sure were going to ask it, people that we know that follows us. And they decided to ask a different question for Watchmen, which is fine if that's what they want to ask. But I was surprised when I saw certain individuals get the microphone that I knew would have really wanted to know this que- answer to this question, and they didn't ask. And uh I, I thought that was telling. It was just I don't know. I don't know. I, I got people...
1: this I got this feeling like you guys were told before you went in there No Snyder Cut questions. Like that's just the, that no. was just my mentality. Like they had to have been told ahead of time that they couldn't ask about that because why would you why would not one person who got the mic think to ask that question?
0: I wish I that were the case.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, then it would
2: make sense.
0: Yeah, I do know that there were, there's a group of people that are a lot closer to Snyder than we are, and they knew, they were hoping that someone else would ask because they didn't want to be disrespectful uh, being as as close to Snyder as they are. So they were hoping, and uh, uh, one or two of them got the microphone and kind of knew, okay, they're not going to be the ones to ask this, this question, but they're counting on the rest of us schmucks to to ask. And and then you you know you get the one girl who finally kind of opened the can of worms, but she was so nervous that it kind of went into the wrong direction anyways. And uh yeah, it it just I don't know, it's crazy. Right, it right. It, where,
1: where she asked the question, where she started talking about Justice League, and he made the joke about was it fun to make? And I think that kind of just like threw her off, like she didn't and she was nervous and that that yeah, she backpedaled see, a little her, bit, like oh maybe see, I shouldn't ask with her you could see you could see genuine like she really she was determined to ask that and i think it was just nerves that got her but everybody else i don't know what the excuse was i, I really don't. like how do you ask about spider-man how do you do that it's, and walk it's out and walk out of the event and walk out of the event alive
2: i was, was, <laughs> i was shocked it didn't happen at the dawn of the dead one yeah i was we went to a ducks a sharks game that night and i was clearly expecting to open up twitter and yeah. see, somebody asked him, you know, about it. And this was his answer. I was waiting for it and it didn't happen. And I was kind of surprised. I'm like, wow, okay, that's, that's interesting. Cause I literally thought that was going to be the first question when someone got the microphone. That was mm-hmm. going to be the first question they asked. I remember, uh, there was a funny story, I guess kind of funny, depending on how you look at it. But Dave Chappelle came to, we live in Reno, Nevada, and he came here and he actually got, he walked off stage because all people kept doing every time he tried to tell a joke was I'm Rick James bitch over and over again, him, over and over again, just constantly heckling him. And I was worried before the event that was going to happen to Snyder where people were just going to constantly yell at him. Hey, when are you, when is your justice league coming out? And I thought that's how people were going to act. And it turns out, no one was like that. I was the dumbass <laughs> that <laughs> yelled from the back, apparently, and uh, and just no one else went for it. And it was just like, wow. What do
1: you, what do you guys think the reason for that was? Why do you think that nobody asked? I mean, I could understand some people, and like I said, the girl being nervous and not knowing how to say it. What do you think, you know, the reason was that it didn't get asked at all? Because that's the part that, to me, is like somebody is going to do it. Somebody is going to ask. And it's not like it would have been a taboo question. Like, people danced around it like it was something that was taboo that they weren't allowed to say. Do you think people just felt, maybe people felt that if they said it, he wasn't going to be able to talk about it? And they didn't want to be the one that said that and have Zack Snyder have to say, well, I can't. I can't talk about that. Do you think that that's what it was? Or, I mean, I just, because cause going off of the atmosphere, it seemed like Zack Snyder was pretty much down for anything. You could have asked Zack Snyder what brand of underwear he was wearing that night, and he would have told you. So, oh, yeah. I don't. So commando. Yeah. So I so that's why I'm saying I don't understand like how it didn't come up at all. And I just wanted your perspective of why you think why you think that was. What do you think it was about asking any questions in regards to the Snyder cut? Why it seemed like it was an off-limits thing and nobody bothered to even <laughs> say it at all.
0: Initially, our thoughts when we were when we were there, after Watchman Night had concluded and, and nothing got asked. Was the timing? We thought, okay, we're, they, whoever's going to ask this is going to ask on the BBS night. This is where the most people are going to be present. Um, you know, tickets had sold out. It, it was an insane amount of people in, in that theater at the time, and that was our initial thought. And and I don't know if maybe in hindsight, maybe some people who who got the microphone, they almost felt that it was a little taboo or they didn't want to bring up a touchy subject because there, there was a lot obviously involving justice league and maybe they felt it was a little bit disrespectful, a little more touchy um given what, what had happened, what, what went down and, and ultimately the movie that we got from it. Um So that's the, really the only excuse I can come up with for people is, is just that, you know, they wanted to kind of avoid that. Maybe, maybe someone else will ask it. And then unfortunately no one, no one really ended up getting the microphone. Who was like, "Nope, I'm I'm just going to ask this question because everyone wants to know, anyways." I think maybe a possibility was
2: that maybe they thought they put Snyder in an uncomfortable position, mm-hmm. and that maybe he could get in trouble with WB if he says anything. I, well, I, yeah, the first... with
1: the way with the way that you know with the way that you know Deborah Snyder kept doing like face palms and stuff with certain things that Zach was saying, like particularly when he started getting into his story about the about what his original plans for justice league was like she kept like i mean if you see her you see her kind of in the corner kind of doing making these faces and things and it's kind of and i kind of feel like maybe yeah maybe that's what it was i mean imagine how deborah snyder would have been had he started talking about yep. the snyder cut i i don't know i was just trying to i'm just trying to piece it all together but did you guys happen to pay attention to her reactions or we what did you think
0: Yeah, pretty much the whole time uh, as we were watching, you can kind of peek over and and you could tell that even Snyder would would kind of look over and say you could tell he was wasn't sure how he should answer a question. Uh, So there was definitely and that's when those were the times when we felt it kind of getting to a boiling point of like, oh, man, he's just he's ready to be an open book. And, you know, specifically on the Watchmen night uh, when some BBS ended up getting brought up and we were talking about. He's answering all the questions and he's talking about uh, Batman killing and you know people growing the fuck up and stuff like that. That you knew like okay, it's getting there, it's getting to that point. And and I think it's just a shame that we didn't. No one asked the question and Snyder just turned it down. Like that that would have been one thing of like okay, he he obviously can't answer it, but we don't even we don't know really at this point. And now there's a Twitter war over the the runtime or the completion, or not the runtime, but essentially the completion of the movie itself. Yeah. And you know, because no one no one asks very specific questions to an audience on Vero and there in person. And uh, but you could tell that there was some stuff that he was just ready to to get into, and and Deborah was a little like, uh, don't do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I you know I kind of get the impression that, and I'm one of those people right now that is subscribing. To uh, the Chris Wong view of it This Twitter war that's going on right now Between is it done Does it need this, does it need that I'm kind of looking at it like like Chris We're saying well maybe There's multiple Snyder cuts Maybe the studio Has a Snyder cut that needs needs Work and maybe Zach has his own personal Copy of the movie that's fully Done and done the way he wanted It to be and that's the version that he's talking about when he says it's done because that's the version that he has. And that's the version that he want. you know, he wants to share with all of us. But then there's the other version that WB has that needs all these things. And that's where the, you know, the $40 million of special effects or whatever comes into play and all that other stuff. So I'm kind of looking at it like that because who knows, maybe he worked on it in the months you know on his own maybe he worked on it in the months that that have passed i mean cuz you know justice league was kind of a long time ago now so you never know maybe he had a chance to to do it and so now when he says it's done he he's definitively saying it's done but then at the same time the studio controls it all and they've got their own you know they've got their own version that he did that that isn't quite done so i'm kind of so i'm kind of i kind of look at it like that when when now when when people are arguing like that, I mean, who's to say that it's not that it's not a case of both? One is done and one isn't i mean it's it could be we don't know because nobody actually asked Zach or got Zach to clarify anything
2: yeah, I mean, I he, did technically ask him the I did ask him the percentage of the v f x and he kind of like hemmed and hawed at me and then just said incomplete. He didn't give me a direct answer, of percentage and um so that i mean he may not even he, he may not even be be confident enough to give a ballpark if, if you know depending on really what it is what it could be and maybe him giving an answer could be kind of not right. inflammatory right. but Right, telling to it's hard to,
1: and so it, but it makes you wonder. And like I remember, you guys, you did one video, and you made you made a comment where you were talking about well so, about how some people, and I'm paraphrasing, like some people are crazy. I mean, they think Zach, they think Zach Snyder, he's got the Blu-rays at his house, and he's ready to <laughs> just you know. And I just, I, I thought about that, and I'm like, and that was the moment I think when you guys said that, and I, you guys were being sarcastic, but that was the moment when I was like. My God, I got to talk to these guys one on one because these guys are awesome. I mean, Zach's <laughs> not Zach's not. I mean, because I started thinking about that too. Well, what if he does? What if he's got a blue ray in his house? <laughs> we, we we don't know. You know, we're not. Who are we? We 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 know that WB has an incomplete copy. Whatever they got, they've got some some incomplete version. But who knows? Zach might have a full two hundred fourteen minute cut done. That he watches on Blu-ray whenever he wants to watch <laughs> Justice League. I, I don't know. You know, we we don't know for sure. Nobody does. It's like yeah, he I... seemed. It's like he seemed seemed even reluctant when he was asked when he was asked outright. Even in that one video clip where, you know, he tells the guy outright, "It's done." But you know the, you know, it's up to the studio to release it. He seemed like he was reluctant to even say that. Like you know, like now, okay, you know. It's like well, I want to invite that, you guys over to my home theater to watch it. I've got it on Blu-ray, but I can't because then because then Warner Brothers will sue me. You, you know like that like he's got stuff he wants to say but he really can't say well, it. Well, the so
2: funny long. thing about that video though is also who's holding the camera is his like publicist I think or somebody oh, that I don't want to say handler cuz that kind of makes him sound like a child. But but that's that was a woman that was uh she was she was going full on like down the line, whoosh, down. One question, oh, yeah, yeah. one thing to sign, and like she's yelling at people, and she's taking pictures and stuff, and she's doing video, and and she's the one holding the camera. So I could see him because she's probably told him, uh, uh, to you know eh, maybe watch what you say and yeah, stuff like that, brevity and stuff. So I think the fact that she's standing there holding the camera. Might be the one, the reason why he's kind of like, nah, maybe I don't know how much I'm going to really say right now in front of her on camera and stuff. So it is kind of an odd thing, uh, uh, with that whole scenario. And like you said, we're just all a bunch of people. No one quite has the answer. Uh, but, I mean, we could, we could get an assessment of what it could be. But, you know, we're just a small little YouTube page that... You know, does our best. We just, we don't, we don't have any uh, sources like some cool people. And, uh, <laughs> oh
1: my God, guys, 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 you, you don't, trust me, trust me, you don't, you don't need sources. I, I, I'm going to say it. I mean, I, you know, when I had that source for that brief time, I swear to God, if I ever get an opportunity to hear from a quote unquote source again, I'm just going to delete the message. I don't even want. I, I don't. even I don't even want anything to do with sources for the rest of my life because all we're all you're doing is you're taking the word over somebody and it's like you. It's like you vet the person and you you you, you think they're credible, then you release their stuff and it turns out to just be shit. So. So hey, I you know, hey, I'm there. You guys you guys are doing a fantastic job and just, you know, you don't you don't need any sources. You guys are you guys you you guys use old-fashioned common sense and that is fucking awesome. That's the you know, truth.
0: The Lost art.
2: Yeah.
1: One of, <laughs> one of my favorite
2: actually, you know, one of our uh, most monumental moments ever as this tiny little YouTube channel goes back to a point where probably no one listened to us and it's one of my favorite stories. Of our YouTube channel is when we pissed off Mark T. Nobleman. Oh, my God. Do you know who that is by chance?
1: I, I don't. <laughs> okay. So
2: he did the book Batman and Bill. and uh, Oh, yeah. A,
1: okay. Yeah. Now I know who he
2: is. And okay, he was yeah. predominantly in the documentary of Batman and Bill that was on Hulu. Okay, okay. Yeah. Did you see that documentary? I certainly did. Yes. Okay. So at this time, we maybe have 25 subscribers. Right. All family, probably. And family and friends <laughs> yeah, at this pretty point. Much. Uh, we, we were doing more podcasts at the time. This is when we weren't focusing on YouTube. We were doing podcasts. So we would take excerpts or just put the full podcast up in one picture and stuff. So we really just didn't have any traction on YouTube overall. And we had a Twitter page, maybe 15 people following us. Again, family and, and friends and for the most part. And, uh, we did a review on Batman and Bill, the documentary and, we talked about the documentary overall. It's fine, but we criticized the shit out of the Mark T. mobile, uh, nobleman guy, because he seemed like he was fricking Jesus throughout the thing. Like they would put a silhouette of Batman behind him, And like, he really smelt his own shit. And like, we were making fun of him and it for how he presented himself anyway, in the documentary, that was kind of how it was. And then we had a couple issues with it. Uh, you know, it was, uh, how it was presented that they just had nobody from the Kane uh, family and that they had no, Writers or any comic book people that were even remotely on Bill uh, Bob Kane's side at all. Right. And it, right. it, was, it was a very one sided documentary. Yeah, and yeah, that kind of tends to happen with documentaries yeah. as it was. But we were
0: just laying out some of our issues with it. Yep. Taking one person's opinion or, you know, yeah. uh, encounter of what happened versus someone else's things yeah. like that. And then only showing one.
2: And then we were just kind of questioning a little bit, like, you know, Bill finger.
0: Yeah. It's like, why didn't he
2: pull the Jack Kirby thing? You know, you're getting screwed over. Why don't you bounce to the other, the other side, the DC side, or in this case, the Marvel side and start doing your own stuff. And, and so we were just kind of like, Oh, you know, that sucks. You know, we don't really know the story that well, the way that exactly. was presented. Exactly. That, uh, that, and
1: the do- And the documentary didn't really do it any favors when it comes to that and comes to giving the full story either.
2: So we criticized it for that. We had uh, Shane posted it on Twitter after maybe a month of being (laughs) recorded. And we had five views on it on YouTube. Five. Guess what one of them was? (laughs) <laughs> Martin Nobleman was
1: it was one oh of the guys. Oh my God!
2: Wow. And he starts tweeting at us, saying you guys don't understand this, yada yada yada, and just keeps going on and on and on. And he's like, "Well, if you guys want to have a conversation, uh, you have to email me." But didn't give us his email address. Shane actually had to hunt it down on some website. Yeah, it, I
0: believe it was it was I can't his own website or something uh, yeah. like that. Yeah.
2: And so we started doing email corresponding messages back and forth. We had five views on the video. Five. (laughs) And it never went up. (laughs) It never went up from there. That was... That was his threshold was five, and he decided to call us out on Twitter, and and then we had this corresponding thing where we were talking about this, and he's like, well, I can't prove that, and then we're like, well, what about this? Oh, I can't really, you know, there's this and this, and I have six Golden Age writers, you know, that that would love to punch Bob Kane or something like that or or corroborated the same story. Right. That's, yep. what it was. It,
0: it, that's ultimately what it came down to is once you, you're interviewing all these different people and they're all saying the same thing, you tend to to believe that. Okay, fair enough. Uh but we still had some things that we were kind of questioning and, and how exactly how Billfinger reacted and, and yeah. things like that. And then then we did a follow-up episode. Yeah, we were like,
2: can we use this email? Only if you're verbatim with your message. You yep. have to read it word for word. So we had a
0: chance to buy everything back and go, you know what, we were we uh misunderstood. Well we didn't. <laughs> yeah.
2: And then we read all the email, and we're like, Well, you know, we still have a problem with this.
0: Yeah. Totally just bought it
2: all back, pissed him off, and he ended up sending us an email like a year later or something, didn't he? Didn't he? I don't know. And saying, like, you guys may not remember me, but I'm glad that you guys, like, he finally checked out our response. Oh, yeah. And like, and we're like, why are you watching us? <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> there we, is nothing to – We have no footprint. Everyone, if you were to, to look up the hashtag, um, whatever the hashtag that was surrounding the, the movie. I, well, it was funny like because all of his retweets and... were, like, people saying, I love this documentary. Yeah. Best documentary. Exactly.
2: Way to go, Mark T. You know, you're the man. Because I think he was noble mania. He used yes, the whole, that's what that's yep, yeah, that's noble, what I was noble mania, All this stuff, like nothing but positive praise. And then the, there's these jackasses with five views that dare question. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that's he was he was probably the type of guy who's sitting around on scouring the internet for any kind of reviews about his his documentary like a narcissist so he's yeah. doing this and that's how he came across your your thing with five views because he's a narcissist looking for something specifically related to the work that he did that he, he needs that he needs that gratification positive or negative and because your stuff was negative he was he singled you out because yeah, nobody Trump's else, everybody else was, everybody else was like a sycophant telling him how great he was. So yeah, yeah. that that's what happened there, guys. That's <laughs> our greatest accomplishment ever. That's, awesome. <laughs> yeah. that's just it's that is just Mar- awesome. Mar- <laughs> Mar- uh, five views, that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> we were so horrible
0: at at our show for one at that time, and social media that we didn't use hashtags. So he was definitely looking up just you know Bill Finger or or any response to to his. Documentary, or the, you know that that specific documentary, yes. and then uh, I laugh about it too because we had we pretty much had the opportunity to probably bring him on a podcast, and instead we just corresponded through email. It, that's how it just. We were not in tune with what we were trying to accomplish at the time. We're like, we will read your quotes on our next episode instead of being like, "Hey, would you like to be on our next episode and we can discuss this and and you know actually have have him on?" So it's just it's funny to look back at at kind of the reaction that. Oh, got. guys,
1: I guys, I, I I just just briefly before I end the show, I I, I just want to yeah. uh, share with you guys. You know, I I I had a had a situation where I was. I was super excited because I had gotten, uh, I, I, I'm kind of a fan of, of Uwe Boll, who is notorious for making movies that other people say are complete crap, right? So. Doesn't he make the video game movies? They're movies, yeah, movies based on video games, movies based on, but he's a very, you know, he's a German filmmaker. He's very, you know, and so, but he's very outspoken and he's very, he defends his movies very, very well. So, so I had, you know, I had just, just out of the blue, I'm like, I sent him a message on uh, Facebook and asked him, you know, if he'd like to come on my podcast and talk about uh, a new movie that he had coming out at the time. And at the time it was a movie called, uh, I think Rampage, Rampage Two or Rampage Three. I can't remember which one. About a kid that goes on a like a like a like a killing killing spree. I have seen one of
2: those. Well,
1: anyway, I you know so I, I was able to get him on the show and I interviewed him and you know he started going going off on like tirades talking about you know the about the about the idiots that trash his movies and stuff i i've never had so much fun in my entire life i'm sitting there (laughs) like oh my god this is the best podcast ever he's over here (laughs) trashing these people and i'm like oh this is so awesome and i'm like and i'm in the back of my mind i'm thinking wow you know it doesn't get any better than this the point is if it would have been a situation like that with you guys where you're just going back and back back and forth through email correspondences yeah it's like at some point, you, you were just going to say, "Please, just come on my come on my yeah. show and let's talk this out." Because I think you got, I think you guys would have had a great time had you guys done that. And he probably would have been a lot, been a lot nicer to you too. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I just, you know, that's a, you know, that's just something that that's something that I've learned about people. Like when I get people on a show that I'm not, you know, I might not be too. You know sure about or whatever and I bring them on and it's like everybody's calm and and, and rational and it's always fun and you, you know you do get to see a perspective in a different side of somebody if they're if they're a confrontational type and you know virtually any everybody that I've had on this show has been has been wonderful and I really have no complaints about anybody I mean and so I have to say you guys were wonderful. Thank you so much for being here with me tonight, you guys. I mean this this made my week. I, I don't know what I'm gonna do, man. I had you guys. I'm like I'm like on cloud nine. I don't know what I'm gonna do in a couple of weeks when I have Chris Wong, Dave the Film Junkie, and John Aaron Garza all in one place. I, I, I don't I, I don't know what my response is gonna be
0: there. <laughs> You'll remember what quality audio is when you have them on. <laughs> thank you very I, I, much. For no, no,
1: but us. I mean you guys are you guys are fantastic. I'm I'm loving this. I'm like. I'm sitting here thinking now. I'm like, well, gee, maybe, maybe I should have just waited. And I could have had you guys, I could have had you guys on them with them too, and it would have been just one big, you know, battle royal podcast. That,
2: that's that's a little bit too many people in a gang bang right there. That's just, <laughs> but, I,
1: but I, I think I think that'll be. I, I don't know that that's something that that's on my bucket list to do a podcast like that at some point. And so maybe that'll be something I'll consider when, uh, a round you know, table. Like w- when the, si- awesome. yeah, a, ra- a round table, when like, say the Snyder cut comes out. There you go. You know, I've and that'll, you in be, that'll be <laughs> 20, Uh, 2025. <laughs> so, so but, but I guess, so I guess last question before we, you know, we end the show, I, I, I gotta ask, when do you guys think we will see the Snyder cut? Cause I personally believe that it'll eventually come out. I just, I just can't, I can't even begin to estimate because with the way things are with the company right now that controls it. I mean, I know we're going to see it eventually, but I just, I can't even put my finger on when I would think a date. I couldn't even speculate. What about you guys?
2: Okay. Well, there's, there's two parts to that question for all is one. When will it ever be announced? Because even with the Donner cut, it was announced in like 2004 that they were looking into it. it didn't come out until 2006, But it was two years to chop and put that thing back together. And who knows the other legalities like with uh, Marlon Brando's estates and shit like that. All the crap they had to go through just to get that thing up and going. Again, as we've seen, uh, there's probably going to be a lot of legalities with this. Crediting certain people that would be in this movie now. You know, the the residuals. Obviously finishing whatever needs to be finished on the movie if they choose that way. If they go in as is, I, I don't know how that really changes. If that changes a lot or not um i'm kind of coming to the point where i think digital download and as is might be their first step and then as we said in a, a previous podcast i think go full blade runner on it later on maybe nice. he can then maybe down 5 years later he can make a steel box or whatever ultimate set and he maybe if as long as the as is makes enough money um i think that would be the choice i it just it just comes down to those legalities and like announcing it um you know maybe maybe 2021 or so maybe 2020 maybe uh but again there's still factors that we're gonna have to wait after even they announce it a couple years and that's wow. one of the things that we've always wanted to say is that shit doesn't turn on a dime and, and I, some people you know kind of feel like it does like it's just gonna happen you know they're well, just gonna I, announce you know, it you know why a, a you know later. why
1: i think that is you know why i think that is just because now there's What what is WB and AT&T getting ready to roll out in a couple of months? They're getting getting ready to roll out their their big streaming service. Right. And it doesn't take nothing for them to take their content and roll it out on a streaming service. So in, in that regard, that might be the only saving grace that gets it out quicker. If they want more subscribers, they can turn around and say, okay, we got this exclusive. This is what everyone's wanted to see. Here's that Snyder Cut. Well, right, right there, you're gonna. The second you announce that if you sign up for this service, you'll get to see the Snyder Cut, you're gonna have an influx of subscribers just off of that announcement alone. So, I, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I kind of think that they, you know, that that's maybe that's something that they're, maybe that's something that they're mulling over.
2: I don't know if, uh, I don't know how well a streaming service idea is gonna work. Dropping it on the streaming service because, I think you you don't get maximum profitability if that case. Because, like, for instance, if they dropped it on the DC Universe app, that, uh, say, in a month, they just decide to yeah. drop it on there. Well,
1: they're closing Sh- that, so that's... Yeah, I know, I know but I'm just saying in <laughs> a hypothetical
2: situation. Uh, Shane and I already have a year subscription. They don't make any money off of us uh, watching that movie. If they make it digital download... Everybody, you know, there's the people that are subscribed to this, the the streaming service, and then we're, you know, Shane and I are going to dish out the fifteen or ten or twenty bucks, whatever they ask for, for the digital download. So that's, I think that's where they can get a highest profitability is on the digital download. On the streaming service, you're going to have people sign up for your streaming service no matter right. Yeah, you'll have a huge influx, but I think if you do, you have to make like a minimum, like uh, sign up now for six months and that way they can lock people in for that long at least, and then they can oh, maybe man. make the money off of that idea. But And also, though, the other thing is I think some people are more reluctant to get stuff if it's behind a subscription service paywall, and I think they would be much more uh, capable of just hitting download on the digital download because I've seen anyway, if you follow the UFC at all, they moved all their pay-per-views to uh, ESPN+, Plus, and they right. have a huge drop-off right now in buy rates. Because you can only order their pay-per-views through ESPN+. Plus, So now it's behind a subscription service. And they have a huge drop-off. Some of the, their biggest pay-per-views that they put together, less than 100,000 buys. When they were getting 200, 300,000 buys on normal pay-per-view services. So I think when you tend to put something behind a paywall like a subscription service, you might get less uh, people behind it or people that care less because it's that one extra step. And sadly, some people are just really lazy, and they just don't want to take that extra step to to do us do something like that. So, I feel like a digital download would be the best one, the best point. But I get your point. Like if you want a huge influx and make your numbers look great, uh s- announcing the Snyder cut on that ATT t or Warner Media service or whatever it's going to be uh would would definitely bring the numbers
1: at uh, launch. It, yeah, you have that yeah. you have that coming out at launch and you use that as a as a spring pull to get everybody in there. I mean, that yeah, for that, temporarily, that would, like you said, that influx, temporary yeah. influx would really make them look good out of the gate. Like, like the way, you know, what, like, Cobra Kai did for YouTube Red. Everybody loves right. that Cobra Kai TV show, but then the second Cobra Kai is over, everybody cancels their subscription. It's like, hey, you know. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like YouTube doesn't have enough, YouTube Red doesn't have enough great content to keep you interested they're right. they're not they're not Netflix yet. Cobra Kai is a great show, but they got a long way to go before they're they're Netflix. It's it's you know. So, I don't know, but yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you guys. I love I love that Cobra Kai show. That show is like that show is like is like nostalgia crack. <laughs> so it is. Good. You
2: know, it's pretty sweet. I love the music in that. It always makes me laugh. I just enjoy the hell out of it. They play the 80s music and stuff. It's
1: great. Oh, yeah. It's so wonderful. So, so wonderful. And, and guys, again, this show tonight was absolutely wonderful. I appreciate you guys staying for the full two hours. That was amazing. Time just flew by. Yeah, it I did. It can, actually did. I can't
2: believe did. it. it yeah. I looked over, and I'm like, okay, where are we at? It's. A, I looked at the clock, and we're in the West Coast, so it's 740. I'm like, shit. <laughs> and Shane <laughs> just nodded at me like,
1: yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, that's amazing. That is amazing. And like, like I could say, you know, you've you guys made it to the end of the show. <laughs> wow. that's <laughs> fa- Fantastic. I, you know, and I've had and but you know, and I've had that happen before where I've had people that have come on and they've said, well, I can only do an hour and then they end up staying the whole two hours because you get on a lot of topics. And I mean, you guys, it, it's very easy to spring off of you know stuff that that you guys bring up you brought up so many great stuff great topics and this this show couldn't have gone any better if you ask me so i'm I'm really really happy you know and i i can't wait to have you guys on again i'm i'm super super excited i'm just geeking out being able to (laughs) being able to do this and you know i'm gonna i i thought about um asking uh lantern to come on too but i I really don't know how to get in touch with the guy, to tell you guys the truth. I mean, I found you on on Twitter. I don't know. Uh, I think he's on Twitter, but then I, I don't know because he wasn't. Uh, and I was just lucky with, with you guys because you had sent me a message. I think it was in regards to a oh, yeah. a rumor or something that I had heard from my quote unquote source, and, and uh, you know, and so it was it was. That was good to be able to communicate, because I don't think you guys, yeah, because you guys weren't following me. I know I was following you, but I I didn't. But it was like sometimes when when you're when you're trying to communicate and you only have Twitter to communicate, you could leave somebody a message, but if they're not following you, they might not see the message that you sent them, because it goes to like a it goes to like a spam folder or like a you know like a a, like a non important folder. So I, oh, okay. I was, I was glad that we had that, you know, that we had that initial communication, so I could, I could get you guys on, because otherwise, I would have had you guys on a long time ago if I could have. So, ah, it works either way, man. Yeah, yeah, just, we it's
2: appreciate just, it. It just is how the cookie crumbles.
1: That, there you go. There you go. I think I'm gonna go have a cookie right now. It's, it's great. <laughs> this was a great this was a great show. Again, thank you guys very much for being here. Thank you very much. And thank you to the audience for tuning in for over two hours of the Zod Rider Show on PSN-radio.com. I will be back next week for the uh uh episode of the Zod Rider Show. I'm calling uh the Zack Snyder fan edition. I'm having a guy on who's just a fan. He's not a YouTuber, he's not a, uh He's just a guy on Twitter who asked if he could come on the show and talk Zack Snyder movies with me. So that's what I'm going to do next. That's what I'm going to do next week. And then the following week we have uh, Chris Wong, Dave the Film Junkie, and John Aaron Garza. So that should be an amazing show, especially considering all the shit that's been going on with those guys lately. <laughs> so, that <laughs> should, so that should be a lot of fun. I, I, I'm like, oh, my God, talk about, talk about good timing. I don't know. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, thank you everybody for listening and we will be back next week.